0: Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, with my dad and my sister Mary.
1: Hello party goers, my name is David Dedrick.
0: And my name is Mary Dedrick.
1: And welcome to episode 37 of... The listening party. Thank oh, you for welcoming me. You're welcome, Mary. I feel
0: very welcomed.
1: I'm glad you do. You're always welcome here. You know that.
0: Except this week, I'm not welcome in the house. Well,
1: it's not that you're not welcome in the house. It's just that as part of the program of social distancing mm-hmm. that we're currently we're currently yes. undertaking and the fact that you work in a home with a very uh-huh. vulnerable population yes. uh, in a care home. And I, I'm sick right now. Also. And you are also sick and you're mm-hmm. quarantined from work. Yes. And I'm braving your illness, mm-hmm. which I don't think is coronavirus because you aren't. Uh, you're flummy rather than dry coffee yeah is that the correct well
0: yeah no i just i have like a stopped up nose mm-hmm. and i had a headache yeah and oh, that's a sinus,
1: more of a sinus headache probably than yeah a, yeah
0: yeah but you know i mean it makes sense for me to have to take some time off work because of that anyway oh
1: for sure you don't i mean we already have a situation where the where places like home uh, you know care homes are under i guess under threat under you know, there's yes. a pro- pro- you know possibility of infe- of infection, and there's no point weakening already con uh, already um what would you call it vulnerable vulnerable immune yeah. immune system. You know, immune, yeah. Immunity. I know
0: I know that at my work too. If one person in there got it, they would quarantine everyone to their rooms. Yeah. So what they do when someone's sick is they isolate them and okay. their and their sweets and all their meals are brought to them. Yeah. Um, and then they, and they can't come out to activities or to just like wander the halls, which people are always free to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but if there was a case, they would just shut the whole place down. Like everyone would be quarantined in their rooms. Yeah. No one would be able to leave their rooms. We already don't have any visitors allowed. Okay. And we're not allowed to take residents out of the building anymore. Yeah. People can still leave on their own if they want to, Mm. but we are, um,
1: recommending they don't yeah
0: strongly Mm -hmm. recommending that they do not it's strongly recommending to their family members that they do not take their their um family members out like to meals or whatever yeah Yeah. which you already can't really do right now because all all the restaurants are shut down here so yeah pretty much
1: yeah it's a a serious situation Mm -hmm. as everyone knows Mm -hmm. but i think the purpose of shows like our show the -hmm. listening party yes is to make, help people forget these things. So yeah, by starting the show by talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we won't talk about it anymore. We okay. just, we're just giving a little... You you brought it up and we're just giving a little context yes. to the situation. Yeah. And so, welcome, Mary. Hmm, thank you. To this week's show. Thanks. And we are... um, I guess we're starting. Are you still looking with fascination at our chickens?
0: Yeah, one just walked past. Like, the window is sort of higher above the lawn yeah i just saw just a head yeah. like straight up in the air looking <laughs> around walk past I was like, what's she doing i can't see her anymore
1: but they're they're not being productive right now oh they're not in terms of their egg laying oh one is bro- in, is broody okay and apparently when they go into like broody a broody state yeah. they don't lay eggs for no. about three weeks hmm. so have they're not pulling their weight is what i'm saying to you they
0: sure aren't have you been checking other areas that they could be laying in
1: no, where would that be? Like places I don't know. they like to hang?
0: Yeah. Because hmm. they don't always lay eggs in their
1: okay. coop. Yeah.
0: No, yeah. I mean, so most of the time they do, but not always.
1: They did lay one on the steps one time. Yeah. But it was like a half formed one. Oh. Uh, so it's kind yeah. of. Rough.
0: Yeah. You don't want that.
1: Nope. So. Um, Might
0: as well just let them eat that one.
1: You should let them eat it? I thought you were not supposed to let them eat eggs. Well, you're so not
0: they'd... supposed to let them eat the, the shell. Oh, is that right? Mm hmm. Oh, okay. Because they can eat eggs. Yeah. We used to feed our chickens eggs all the time cannibals mm-hmm. well because we would feed them um leftovers from mealtimes this is when yeah. I was at camp and yeah. one of the main meals was like scrambled eggs and so you'd also have a lot of leftover scrambled eggs and rather than composting them just throw it to the chickens
1: i guess that makes those sense. those chickens
0: ate a lot of scrambled eggs yeah and also a lot of salmon leftover from weddings oh really
1: yeah is salmon not popular at weddings
0: no it's very popular at weddings but oh. they would always make more oh okay and then I don't know. It would get to staff meal and then because then you also want to make enough for staff meal too, right? Yeah, yeah. But then by the time it gets to you get to eat it, you're like, oh,
1: some rubbery salmon, salmon. again. <laughs> right. Because the other
0: thing was for me, yeah. I worked there for three years. Yeah. Salmon every weekend for three years. You're kind of like, oh, I'm like, I know it's like very <laughs> desirable to, yeah. to be like, oh, <laughs> salmon again. But it's like you know there's a limited amount of times you can eat something every single week yeah right and i also it was i don't know by the time it gets you yeah it's pretty dried out yeah so it's usually been sitting um either in the those like heating pans that you have on buffet lines sure or
1: chafing dish no champ yeah chafing chafing dishes dishes, um or for some reason i thought they were called chamfer dishes but that can't be possible because chamfering is a term from carpentry, so never mind what mm, I yes, was about to say. no, it
0: would not be that. Or in the warming um, like area, they have like a little like warming drawer. Yeah. You know, it's like a little oven, but it's not as hot as an oven. It just keeps things warm until you put it out for service. Okay. So yeah, it usually wasn't the best cooked by the time it got to us. Hmm. Yeah. The chickens liked it.
1: What kind of salmon was it? Was it spring salmon, like spring slash Chinook salmon or coho? Uh, Pink not chum, I hope.
0: No, not chum.
1: Wouldn't uh, be sockeye unless you're doing sushi or pretty... Unless you're doing barbecue. Was it a barbecue salmon?
0: No. Well...
1: Was it super pink or was it kind of whitish?
0: No, it was pretty pink. I think it might have been sockeye.
1: Might have been... Really sockeye? Wow, okay.
0: I think so. Huh.
1: Kind of rubbery. Yeah. Is the ba- it used to be no. considered a junk salmon, believe mm, it or not.
0: Pre-sushi. That's
1: why... Yeah, pre-sushi. That's yeah. why it was a, a, like a popular tinned salmon here. Mm. And you would... You know, like if you're gonna... When I grew up, if we were having... You know, a salmon salad for lunch, you would have sockeye s- salmon from a tin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, then, yeah, then the market changed and it became super popular because of sushi, because it's uh, very firm. Yeah. Very firm and not not flaky like uh, spring or um or coho. But anyway, enough about salmon, as if I care. Uh, Mare. Yes. So we are starting the final side of the mixtapes I made for listener Mike Davidson mm-hmm. many years ago. Yes. In fact, I looked up the date of it, and let me just look it up again. You vamp for a second. You, Wait, talk, why didn't, you talk to people. You looked
0: it up, but you didn't. I didn't
1: write it down, but you you, you talk to people, oh and, I'll, and I'll be right back. Okay,
0: well, Like, why don't you just write it down? I don't know. Okay, well, Dad is doing this. He needs me to vamp. So I, I have technically been I'm on, on a five-day quarantine from work just to keep an eye on my symptoms. So I've been watching a lot of TV i can't leave the house i feel like that's probably a pretty um common common experience that other people are having but then the other thing is duncan is home right now too but he's not home because he's sick he's home because his work shut down so he's home too and then scout of course is also home because she's a dog she doesn't have a job (laughs) lazy bum um but because we're home all the time now she's always very excited and really wants to go on walks and i'm like i can't take you anywhere scout i'm sorry but he, he went on a nice walk with her yesterday, and I stayed at home.
1: So you can't even leave the house?
0: No, I, I can leave the house. I mean, like, I'm not on, like, a real quarantine. I haven't, yeah. like, come in contact with anyone with coronavirus as far as I know. Yeah. I was thinking about it, too, and I was like, you don't really know.
1: Well, especially with a 14-day incubation period where a person could be carrying it but not showing symptoms. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is the real kicker. And why you see, like, a weird lag of, of two weeks before the before it gets kind of serious in, a, in, a, in an area. So yeah it's uh it's curious so you've been watching a lot of movies and tv shows you're saying mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: i finished medium
1: finished medium okay
0: i forgot to bring the dvds back
1: way to go well yeah. that's okay because you took them when i needed them oh and that's okay now i didn't know that wait till wait till later we can bring them back for the next uh okay i was gonna use them as a uh, background noise when i was coloring oh. i was gonna listen to the commentary tracks Oh. i didn't okay. know
0: that you could have asked for them back oh, that's okay don't worry okay you
1: finished it off that's good all right it's a good show if you will, haven't seen Medium, it's hard to find. It doesn't seem to be streaming anywhere these at all. I don't know why. Unless it's on an obscure station that we don't get one of those. Yeah, like Hulu. Well, Hulu, but Hulu is kind of weird because we get shows from Hulu showing on like normal television here in Canada.
0: Yeah. yeah. I was make, Hulu is pretty common. I was just making a joke cause it's oh, not okay. available in Canada. Yeah, it's not. That's it's true. like one of like the big three mm-hmm. streaming it's services. It's also owned in. by Disney, so... Is it? Yeah, that's why they
1: they push a lot of shows that, like, there's a lot of shows they were going to have on Disney+, and then they, like, thought they were too adult. Hmm. And then they pushed them to to Hulu. Hmm. It's kind of odd. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I was looking, I looked it up, Mary. Yes, just now. The first playlist I did for, for Mike Davidson, I finished on August 16th, 2016. Now, that doesn't mean that I did it, like... And then two weeks later, or whatever, I finished the next one. I was probably working on them simultaneously with other ones, Yep. And like listening to them, and then sort of refining them as I went. And then when I would put the date on, was the day I wrote it down onto the into the um when I did the the uh, compute like the uh, cover mm-hmm. when I wrote it all out. Then I would write the date on the cover in most cases, except when I was trying to hide how long it took me to do this stuff. <laughs> um, and I would write it down there, and then then I would know. So so this so the first one was uh like I say August sixteenth. 2016 and the second one i just got to advance my reach
0: my mouse here systems processing
1: <laughs> and the other one was uh august 26 2016 was when i when i wrote down the uh, final final uh, list set list for for this for this mixtape
0: okay so what was the first date
1: uh 16th of august okay and this was the did i say the 28th 26th 26th.
0: okay so 10 days
1: yeah So that I'll... What's that? That's not that long. No, but I like I say I probably I w- that just means the day I finally wrote it down doesn't mean oh, okay. I could have been working on it for like two months or three months right before I finally okay. got and, around to, to, um, s- not, to not to be
0: rude but why did you tell us that?
1: Just so people know when it was when it was done.
0: Oh okay, it was, okay. this gives
1: you a sense of context when when the song when these were made. Sure, because people might be listening, going, "Oh, these songs are so old. They're all from 2013. Or How come you don't have any new songs from 2019? You know, you know why." 'Cause this was finished in two thousand sixteen, Mary. It's called Context. What? All right.
0: Oh, yeah, context. Sure. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair.
1: So, um, overall, Mare, what was your impression of this mixtape?
0: Um, this side or the whole thing? The whole thing. I think I liked this one. Yeah? Yeah, I liked the second side had a lot of songs that I knew already and okay. enjoy quite a bit. So yeah. that was exciting for me. Yeah. Um the first side I liked. Yeah. Most of the songs. There's a couple I didn't like very much.
1: You liked one song, as I remember, from the first okay,
0: side. i Okay, you're right. Bringing back your joke that I didn't like <laughs> any of the songs, which, you know what? Yes, dear. I don't like any of the songs anymore, <laughs> just because you've been so so pestering about it. Um, I
1: spelled all the songs for you. Whoops. I
0: think, uh, yeah, on the first side, there was four songs I didn't like very much. Yeah, okay. And then all the rest, the other seven, I liked quite a bit. Yeah. And on the second side, yeah. I like... Well, spoilers, but I liked the second side quite a bit.
1: Oh, good. So... Good. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to. So, okay. Well, let's listen to the first song then. And uh, we'll kick off. We'll kick it off, Mare. Yes. We'll kick it off. So this is... um, We're going to start off with, with a little bit of easy listening. M.O.R. from the mid-60s. This is Burt Bacharach. When I say it's Burt Bacharach, it's Burt Bacharach conducting a bunch of session musicians who are doing his song Don't Go Breaking My Heart. And this is from his album Hitmaker, exclamation mark, Bert Baccarack plays his hits, which came out in nineteen sixty five. So here we go.
0: Let's hear it. <laughs>
1: Okay, and we're back, and Mary. Yes, I'm going to guess. Can I just make a guess?
0: Uh, sure.
1: I'm gonna guess that you liked this song.
0: I do like the song.
1: Oh, I was right.
0: I've always liked this song. This is a song I've known since I was a kid, probably, and <laughs> yeah. I've always enjoyed the song.
1: Yeah, it's a song that was went very early on to one of my mixtapes when I first bought this album at a thrift store. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure which one. I used to be able to remember all the places that I bought my records, but it's kind mm-hmm. of faded into my into the past now. As things do. Well, you know, as my brain is turning to cheese, it's, yes, uh, becoming Swiss of a, cheese, Swiss cheese, with exactly. All the big holes. A lot of holes, like I'm suffering from syphilis. Yes, <laughs> and yes. which maybe I am. And I hope um, not. what's that? Hope not. Have
0: you been in contact with any llamas?
1: N- no. Okay. Not knowingly. Okay. Do you mean uh, Tibetan monks? Nope. I mean okay. llamas from. I thought you were telling me that Tibetan monks are syphilis carriers.
0: Uh no, but uh, syphilis was originally transmitted from llamas.
1: Oh really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, it was a New World disease that was brought back to Europe
0: via llamas
1: and killed about eleven million people mm. in the in Europe. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was kind of a little minor pl- plague after Columbus returned from, yes. from the New World.
0: But uh, it do- did not spread as easily as some other plagues.
1: No, but it got around. Sure, <laughs> it got around.
0: It, it did. It Did
1: sailors? Sailors got around.
0: Yes, they did.
1: <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So yes, yeah, so I really do like this song a lot. I think it's uh, and it comes about at a time like when I was a teenager. It was one of one of my pleasures of life was when I went to a friend's house, was to dig out the, the their parents' record collection, mm-hmm. and which usually had an ABBA album.
0: Was it a specific friend or just any No, any friend. friend okay. Any
1: friend I would go to their house, I'd yeah. be like, ooh, what records did your parent, do your parents have? Mm-hmm.
0: And ABBA greatest hits. ABBA
1: greatest hits, very common. The first mm-hmm. greatest hits. Mm-hmm. The one with them sitting on the park bench, mm-hmm. uh, which is always a very, very uh, alluring cover to me mm-hmm. as a kid. And then, because it's just very strange, because like, there's one couple that were out of love. Okay. Um, don't ask me for names. Ag- Agnetha and Benny or Bjorn. I can't remember. I think it's Benny. Mm- okay. Or is maybe this, it's Bjorn.
0: Is this the one where it's credited to, it has like their names
1: on no, the top? It, is that... I don't think so. Oh, okay. This is a double, I think it's got a gatefold sleeve and it has them sitting on a bench. Mm-hmm. And on one side is is the blonde, oh, Agnetha okay. sitting with other blonde. Uh-huh. I think it's Benny. Okay. And the other side is Bjorn mm-hmm. and then Anna Fried. Okay. And they're, they're smooching because they had just started a relationship. Mm. Bad move. Bad move in a band, you're right. Mm-hmm. So the band started with one couple who were separated. Yes. And the other couple so it was, getting it on. Sorry. So yeah. when
0: the band started, they had already broken up? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: So there was that bit of tension. Yeah. And then later on, Bjorn and Anna Fried mm-hmm. broke up. Mm. And what's also strange is if I'm thinking of the cover, it's a, that irritating thing that they also did on the cover for Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Yeah. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, their mm-hmm. first album, where they don't have the band members sitting in the order of their names. Mm. so it's I because i think it's benny um agnetha bjorn and then annafried on the cover which is wrong and then it's baba not abba but when csa what the interesting thing is when christmas and nash realized that they had got the wrong order for the cover of the mm. of the album mm-hmm. they went they went back to the house to have the have their picture taken again for the yeah. cover and it had been torn down mm. like just like in a couple of days it was gone so they knew it was already like uh condemned that's the one there yes Oh no, so the Anna uh Agnetha is sitting here. Can I see look at it? Sorry, let me just take a peek here.
0: 1976.
1: Yeah, so uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Oh, if they had the back that'd be even better. Oh, there's a full picture. Oh, okay. No, it's mixed up still. But instead it's it's uh, bab.
0: Bab. Well that's because But you can see
1: Anna Fried and well, yeah, one the... of the one of the other B. So it's
0: B A A B? Yeah. Well that's because you're supposed to have it closed. Yeah. And have A B and then turn to the other side, B A.
1: Oh, maybe so. Right? I guess so, yeah. Like yeah. this, A-B. Yeah, yeah,
0: And th- this is a very visual thing. Just not work <laughs> for a podcast. <laughs> so, okay, okay. Look up. Where are we? Look up. Yes. On eBay, details about 1970s <laughs> ABBA greatest hits IP album full cover replica for 650. Okay. And then you'll see the poster. And yeah. then imagine my hand movements as I'm <laughs> covering up half to show dad how it would be closed if it was an <laughs> album.
1: I have the album inside. I guess I could take a look at it. Eh. All right. Well, my whole point about this is that that you would always find that album, an an alba al- album. Like yes. for instance, in my parents' record collection, they had the ABBA album, Super Trooper, but none other. That was it. The one album. Right. The other very common album you'd find would be a Herb Elpert album. Okay, yes. Of Often course. whipped cream and other delights. But yes. there are other ones too.
0: Um I just do just want to say that we went to a record store last weekend. Okay. And Duncan bought that exact record.
1: Ah, because it has that very appealing picture of the woman on the, yes. Co- woman on the cover. Yes. And I looked it up. Yeah.
0: And did you know that she's not entirely covered in whipped cream?
1: Uh, no, because it would melt into those studio lights. Yes.
0: So, so it's shaving cream yeah. and a blanket. Okay. Yeah. So shes it's a blanket and then there's some artfully placed shaving cream. Yes. Yes. Which would be much less taste good. <laughs> shaving cream. <laughs> yeah, it's not so delightful. <laughs> no, not so delightful. Yeah.
1: So uh, I kind of fell in love. Well, I mean... I. I grew up with during the time of ABBA, so I mm-hmm. always liked ABBA. But I kind of fell in love with like that sort of M.O.R. sound of the of the 60s. Another example of that would be my dad had a Christmas album that was a collection of the A and M Records roster called Something Else or sorry Something Festive for mm-hmm. Christmas.
0: Yeah, so more Herb Alpert.
1: So yes, it had Herb Alpert on it doing mm-hmm. I think Jingle Bell Rock, and then it had. But it had others as well. It had the Baja Marimba Band. Mm-hmm. It had Sergio Mendes and Brazil 66.
0: Which are also a Herb Alpert related.
1: The, these are all, these yeah. are all of the kind of similar sound. Yeah, but
0: I mean, its AM, so like it the, is like Herb the, Alpert.
1: Like the Herb Alpert and Tijuana Brass, mm-hmm. none of them were from Tijuana. Well, no. None of them were even Mexican. Herb no. Alpert is, is, is Jewish.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: They They were just you know presenting like a, a pretend yeah. band thing. And the same with the Baja Marimba Band it was mm-hmm. held by a guy named Julius Wechter, which sounds as much like he's from Baja as my name.
0: <laughs> I think I was I was reading about Herb Alpert after, or about Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass after Duncan bought this album. And I think it said that Herb Alpert called that band, he said that they were like four spaghettis, a bagel, and a hot dog, because there was three Italians, two Jewish men, and, a, and an American guy, or like an English-American guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That's <laughs> a good name. <laughs> Which is, yeah, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, like like I say, Julius Wector, he was like a, a well-known seshi musician. He played mm-hmm. on Pet Sounds, for instance, yeah. the Beach Boys album, played percussion on that. And he played the marimbas. So he formed this marimba band to cash in on, on this popularity of sort of middle of the road. Or a, where, there was no, uh, really wasn't like a... Uh, name like that at the time in the 60s maybe easy listening but I doubt it as well I think these are all later later pejoratives or, or descriptors that were added from the from his historian musical historian uh viewpoints and so yeah and so Burt Backrack of course falls into that as well he was also part of the of the um of the Am roster and I believe I don't think he plays a song on there but I think he contributes a song. I think it's the bell that wouldn't jingle. I could be wrong.
0: On this Christmas album? On this Christmas
1: album, yeah. 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 And which I dearly love, that Christmas album. I have a copy of it as well. you know the name of it? Something Festive. Oh, okay, okay. And
0: I thought that, that, I thought you just couldn't remember it and you were like, oh, it's so, the name's like Something Festive.
1: (laughs) No, that's the actual title of it. Okay. And yeah, it has some good stuff. It's got Claudine Langer doing a random song. Is Some Good Stuff a
0: song or is that? (laughs) Because I'm I'm just getting confused because of the vague title of the album. It's making all the, you know, question all the song names, too. Sure,
1: sure. Some good Christmas stuff. Yeah, that's my favorite
0: Christmas song, I think. Yeah, that's a
1: great song. (laughs) Here is some stuff that you maybe will like.
0: <laughs> here is some a stuff that is maybe Christmassy man he really was Jewish wasn't he <laughs> he's like I don't know Christmas this is maybe Christmassy I'm not sure <laughs> he's like I'm trying here
1: it lasts for 11 got days cap- right?
0: gotta capitalize on this Christmas trend
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why they did Jingle Bell Rock cause it's it's a it's not a religious album at all like it's all yeah it's all um. Yeah, it's, it's all like it's Snow by Cla- Claudine Lange is as much to do with Christmas it's more of a more of a seasonal song. It's right. about snow.
0: Yes, it's about wintertime. Yeah,
1: it's a wintertime song. It's not a it's not a Christmas song. More
0: appropriate in February than December in some areas. In
1: it, some areas, yeah, like our area here where we get our march roaring in like a lion. Uh so so yeah, so so like I say, Bert Bacrak is part it's part of that and it's it's and for whatever reason that music has always appealed to me. It might be nostalgic, it might be a sort of comfort to it. It might be the the fun of sitting in your friend's house using their using someone else's stereo system to listen to their to, the, to their parents records mm-hmm. much to your friends discussed by the way let me just put that out put out there no, they know like oh i don't want no one this. Wants, no one wants someone to come over and, and insist on listening to their to your parents they're records like, but I, I, to, I did
0: they're like i want to listen to something cool and new like yeah. the eagles
1: yeah that's exactly right and i'd be like <laughs> and and uh yeah they would or i want to listen to something cool like the arrhythmics okay everyone will remember them in 30 years no one will have forgotten them uh yeah and so uh this song is fascinating to me the this this album it was he did one one record for a conf-
0: um this album was sorry what's this album called is it called this album
1: it's called <laughs> it's called <laughs> something some music by bert Bacharach. <laughs> it's called hit maker okay yes bert baccarat plays his hits okay from 1965 dear as i said so, it before i played it. Is
0: this like a best of album then
1: it's a best of songs that other people have done Mm. because burt bacharack is basically covering yes other people's music so he's doing like you know i can't remember all the songs that are on it now but you know there's the songs like uh 24 hours from tulsa Hmm. the song by gene pitney Mm -hmm. also covered by dusty springfield Mm And so he does a version of it. Right. You know, and so that's basically what it is. So it's okay. just taking like songs you know, that Darren Warwick had, been do- had done or Jackie DeShannon mm-hmm. had done.
0: Or Herb Alpert had done.
1: Or Herb Alpert. I don't think there's any Herb Alpert because he hadn't really got... This is before he signed with a Oh, okay. This record was done for Cap Records, which mm. was a, a smallish label um, founded by this guy named Dave Cap, who was the brother of Jack Cap, who was the founder of the U.S. Uh, Decca Records. So it's kind of weird, like a record, fa- a record company family. Mm-hmm. my son, the record company owner. <laughs> and then, so Bert Bacharach's kind of interesting, dear. Like, he, he actually studied uh, to be a serious musician. He went to McGill University in Montreal.
0: Okay, is he Canadian?
1: He's not Canadian, oh. but he went to <laughs> McGill. True, okay. And uh, got his Bachelor of Music in 1948. Mm-hmm. Then he studied with uh, Darius Maloud, the the French composer. Oh, wow. As well as the avant-garde composer, Henry Cowell. Mm-hmm. So he did, his, did music theory with them. And... So he was quite a serious and very accomplished musician, but he was sort of drawn into the pop world. It's kind of like John Cale, who studied with Lamonte Young, the another avant-garde composer, but then, you know, didn't really pursue... Uh, uh, he did a little bit. There's He had put a record... I collab- collaborated with Terry Riley on a, an album, and then he also did one called Peril in the Academy, which is kind of like a collection of little kind of classical... or not classical, but kind of modern avant-garde snippets of music that he did, but... um back to burt yeah so so he was kind of drawn to the more popular music and for instance like he was um the arranger and accompanist for marlena dietrich the actress she would tour and do like uh kind of cabaret singing and so he he did her arrangements for her and tour with her for five years even when he was like uh working in the brill building and writing hit songs with hell david he'd still go out and tour with marlena dietrich Hmm. uh, until it got too too difficult to once he started like producing because you know he went from like writing songs him and hell david to actually like them being in the studio producing the songs for the artists you know so and that was basically with Dionne warwick when they discovered Dionne warwick who was a session singer okay but they really loved her voice and her her ability to sing really complicated songs and so they kept telling her they're going to make her a write a song for her mm-hmm. And they would write a song and they'd be like, oh, but this song's too good to give away to Dion. So they give it to someone who could make more money from right. it, you know. Yeah. And finally they told her, Dion, we're really going to make a song for you. And she's like, don't make me over. You're never going to make a song for me. Like, so, meaning, don't, you know, don't try and fool me. Yeah. And they went, oh, they love that phrase so much. They wrote a song f- for her called Don't Make Me Over. Mm. That was her first song by them that she sang in her first, her first single release. Um, the other Dion Warwick song I, or story I love is uh, related to when they did a they did a Broadway musical version of the um Billy Wilder film, The Apartment, called Promises, Promises. And the song Promises Promises, the cast had so much trouble learning, and they just said, This song is impossible. So uh Burbakrak took it to Dan Warwick and said, I need you to record a version of this song. Mm-hmm. And so she quickly did this version of Promises Promises. And then he took it back to them and said, Listen, here. Dion can sing it, you can sing it. And so they she played he played it for her for them and here's a song that she learned in an afternoon that they were having trouble with over weeks hmm. and uh, yeah she's a very accomplished singer so the uh, album Mary was recorded in England and I've always been curious who is singing the song because this is one of those classic records from the '60s where there's no mention of who's on it yeah you know there's no there's no record of who played played any instrumentation mm-hmm. who's singing yeah it's just a burt back rack record as far as you know burt back went to the studio and it was like a one-man band yeah and could sing in an incredibly female voice <laughs> and he's one of those uh people who are musicians but aren't very good singers which are kind of fascinating right like he's a really good like piano player really good mm-hmm. arranger great songwriter cannot sing yeah his voice is uh strictly for uh breathing or telling people th- things they should do i should say <laughs> not breathing you don't need a voice for breathing everyone yeah, so he recorded this album in England. I'm not too sure why, whether he was just curious to go there. This was, of course, just kind of past the peak, but still in the time of Beatlemania. The English invasion is going on, and maybe oh, that wait, was... what year was this, right? 65. Oh, okay. So uh, maybe the thought was, if you go to England and record something, then it'll have more impact in the States. I don't mm-hmm. know. He did use some interesting session musicians on it, including Jimmy Page... And John Paul Jones, who went on to form Led Zeppelin. Okay. Who were like big time uh, session musicians at that time in England. And then another guy named Big Jim Sullivan, who's like kind of like the all-star session guitarist in English history. Like he's the one who like Jimmy Page says, taught me everything I knew and everything I know. And that uh, was just really a a well-known guy, but never never really came out from behind the... He never left his cozy position as a as a you know session musician as an in demand session musician. Mm. Although he did do a, I think a couple of albums under the nom de tune Lord Sitar, and they're like sitar based cover albums hmm. where he would just do like sitar versions of of new songs. So I don't know if he did like Norwegian Wood, which already has a sitar in it, but he right. just like did a sitar sitar version of Norwegian Wood or a sitar sitar <laughs> version of of uh, what's that song called by the Rolling Stones that I don't like about black something about black. I see a pa- painted Paint black. Oh. Paint black. No. What do you call it? Black on black? Back on black? Back on back in black. Back in black. That's the ACDC song, but that's a lot later. Right.
0: Huh? Isn't uh uh Oh my Don't God. Don't rub your eyes. I know. They're really itchy. Um, what's her name? Isn't there an Amy Winehouse? Oh album, yeah. Back on black?
1: Is that what it's called? I think it's just the name of the album though. Is there a song called that no, too? No,
0: that's what I mean. The, the album. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. That's what I got it mixed up with their has been playing that album a lot
1: oh okay that's the one with rehab on it mm-hmm. she doesn't want to go to rehab no she should yes she did that's true she multiple did multiple times but she didn't want to that's the difference so mare hmm? in case you're wondering the singers of this song were a girl group called the breakaways mm, okay the reason they're called the breakaways is because they were a member of a singing group called the vernon sisters okay weren't were really sisters Oh, uh, okay they were called the Vernon Sisters, or like a large, large vocal ensemble. And they broke away from mm-hmm. the Vernon Sisters mm-hmm. to start their own group. And so they're called the Breakaways. Mm. And they were Vicki Brown, okay, Mar- Margot Cantrell, and Gene Ryder. Mm-hmm. And they had a minor hit with a Tony Hatch song called That Boy of Mine in 1964. But none of their other follow ups are charted. And it's too bad because Tony Hatch, of course, had like huge successes with, with uh, Petula Clark, mm-hmm. who you. Talked about last week and told us how much you loved her music so much.
0: Do do not remember that, (laughs) but okay.
1: It was a put on. And uh, (laughs) so that's why you don't remember it because you're lying. Right. But through the Tony Hatch connection. Oh,
0: right. I forgot about that thing when I (laughs) pretended. Yeah. No. Oh, I mean, yes. (laughs) I remember Petula Clark. I love her so much. (laughs) Pet Clark. And her. Pet Clark, yeah. Her songs that she does as a singer.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so it was through the Tony Hatch connection, though, that they, they uh, sang backing vocals for Petula Clark on her big hits. They sang backup for Dusty Springfield, Silla Black, Lulu, and on hundreds of other sessions, including, and this blew my mind when I read it, mm-hmm. Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix. Mm. And I read that and I was like, Hey Joe has singing, female singing on it? And so then I played it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yes, it does have female singing. Mm. And it's actually an integral part of the song. And if it wasn't there, you'd really miss it. But it's weird that I didn't realize that until I until I read that they sang on it. Hmm, and I'm sure that many people out there are thinking to themselves as well, hey, Joe has females singing on?
0: I guess it's one of those things. I mean, for me, It's just like at oohs least. and
1: ahs. It's not like yeah. they're not repeating, like they're not singing along with Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of going like, ooh.
0: Yeah. But I mean, like for me, at least, I don't really spend a lot of time dissecting what I like, like all the instrumentation.
1: Mm. In a song yeah. to figure
0: out what I like about it. So, like, I'm sure that there are people. I think probably mainly um, people who play musical instruments yeah. will do that. Yeah. But for me, as someone who does not play musical instruments, yeah, my two years of poorly playing trumpet in band <laughs> class in elementary school does not count. Um, <laughs> I never learned to actually read music. I just faked faked it.
1: Oh.
0: Uh, I didn't like it. Apparently. Yeah. And, anyway, I didn't understand how to read music. Yeah. Like they sort of tell you how yeah but i didn't get it
1: no they're probably not too big on music theory at that age you would have if you'd stuck with it you would have learned later on but, yeah probably but you didn't dig it so that's the end of that
0: yeah but yeah I, I don't like when i'm listening to a song i don't go into it and i'm like oh this is this instrument at in this part and then this happens and then there's that and they're using all these different instruments like i don't look at it like that i just look at it as a whole yeah yeah
1: yeah i do and i don't i guess i do i do pay attention to the instrumentation. And I like to. I do really. It's often. It's often something small in a song that appeals to me. Not necessarily small, but not necessarily the whole. But something inside the song that's what attracts my attention to it. Hmm. Whether it's a guitar solo, Mm -hmm. or a particular sound, Mm -hmm. or a vocal line, or something like that, that can kind of attract my attention. Because I usually listen to music in a sort of non-paying attention way. That is background to what I'm doing, whether it's driving or reading or writing. And so it has to kind of like fight its way. Into my into the foreground of my brain, mm-hmm. you know. And if it does that, I consider that a successful song. You know, like that's what I always say. It fires that blue beam of light into my brain. Yeah. You know, it just it just hits that particular that particular frequency. Yes. That tracks my my brain. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have. It's not necessarily based in genre or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But as more in, you
0: can tell by listening to this, yeah, mixtape project.
1: But if you listen to this mixtape project, there are some genres that are left off of it. You know, country country for one, jazz, Mm -hmm. blues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't like those, those styles of music. It's just that rap, because it's just that I want a flow to it that sometimes you break up by being too, too eclectic and get too eclectic. I think it can be boring Mm -hmm. because it's just not.
0: Says the man who made multiple (laughs) mixtapes entirely made of novelty songs. (laughs) Yep. Too eclectic can get boring, says David Dedrick. (laughs) Put like, that quote on the front of the box of the mixtape collection that has all novelty songs before you throw in the garbage.
1: Mayor, yes, I have some bad news for you at the end of the show.
0: Oh no! <laughs> oh, okay, resigned to my fate. This would be a good time to get coronavirus.
1: <laughs> uh, so,
0: so yeah. Just kidding.
1: Bizarrely, this song did not chart in either the US or the UK. Hmm. Which I find fascinating. I think it's a, it's really, a really good song. song yeah. And it was a first appearance by it as well. Dion Warwick covered it a year later on her on an album. What's curious though, well in England, Bacrack produced the Dion Warwick album, the The Sensitive Sounds of Dion Warwick, and also a Jackie DeShannon 45. So he did two albums and this single while he was in England. So I'm not too sure what what was going on. Like I I don't know his story well enough. Maybe if I read like a biography of him, it would say you know, he was doing like a residency or whatever in England at this time. And so he just moved operations over there. But it's fascinating. Well, I'm glad you like that song, though, dear. I think it's very good. I mm. love the breathy vocals of it. Yes. It's... For some whatever reason, it reminds me of, of fall. I don't know why. I know there's a line about fall in it, but it doesn't bring September and May, but... But yeah, it just has a kind of... Uh, autumnal a feel? Autumnal, yes. Good, That's a good good line. There is sort of a kind of a melancholy or, or sad sound to the song, I, th- mm-hmm. I think. But yeah.
0: I have a question about the song.
1: Oh yeah, please ask any question you want.
0: Is uh, Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John a cover of this song?
1: No, that's a that's a different version of the song oh. with uh, Kiki D and Elton John mm-hmm. singing together. Yes. Yeah.
0: But it's a different song. It's a different song. It's not this song. It is not this song. It's not a cover of this song. It's not a cover of this song. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: 'Cause that song is Don't Go Break in my heart. I won't go break in your heart. Don't go break in my heart. I won't go break in your heart. Don't go break in my heart. I won't go break in your heart. Don't go break in my heart. I'm no go break in my
0: But I'm pretty sure it does not go like that. It's
1: the whole song is just like that.
0: Well, that's why it's a duet. Yeah. Don't go break in my heart. And Don't go break in my heart. I won't go break in your heart. Don't go break in my heart. Yeah. That famous song.
1: I will go break in your heart. You know what? Elton yeah. John
0: truly was a master <laughs> of songwriting.
1: <laughs>
0: just kidding. There's a reason he had a songwriter.
1: <laughs> he was a song. He was. Or a sorry, there was
0: a reason he had a lyricist.
1: Yes, there was a reason he had a lyricist.
0: His name was. I just watched that movie too. His name was Terry Fletcher.
1: <laughs> his name was not Terry Fletcher. What's his name? His name. Oh, now that you've said Terry Fletcher. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Bernie Bernie Topin. Oh
0: right. Yeah. Bernie Topin. Yeah, Bernie.
1: But it's fascinatingly how long they were friends.
0: Oh yeah.
1: It's an amazingly long time. They're still friends. They're still good friends. And the fact that they didn't really work together. Mm. Like Bernie would just send him in the mail lyrics.
0: Well that's how they started off. They would
1: But even then later on, like they didn't Mm -hmm. they didn't sometimes they'd be together in the same room, but mostly not. Like I mean he would just send him like a bunch of lyrics. To be fair. Yeah.
0: I think that that is probably a reason that they work together and were friends for so long <laughs> because they did not spend a lot of time uh working directly together
1: yeah that's probably a, a part of it
0: he just you know he we went i i'm an expert on elton john now because i watched rocket man yeah which it's is good, um it's it, entirely um realistic and Wait. doesn't have any fantastical elements at all <laughs> and um yeah like that part where he flies that happened
1: yeah it was, just, it was the shoes he was wearing? They had flubber in them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I guess he's more floating. Yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, you know, he had a rough, he had a rough patch, Elton John. Had a period of time he, when he was pretty unsufferable. He,
1: he had a rough twenty years.
0: A rough twenty years. Did you know? Yeah. That um, at the end of that movie of Rocket Man, yeah. there's the um, there's like a music video for "I'm Still S- Standing." Yeah. And they, um, they like rotoscoped that to put, um, Taron Egerton or whatever yeah. into the original footage. Oh, okay. So they like took the, like the original video, um, negatives yeah. and like uploaded them or whatever, like, you know, yeah, put yeah. them on the computer and then they, like rotoscoped Taron Egerton into it. So mm-hmm. it's like the actual huh. footage from the original video. Wow. Yeah.
1: Cool. It's a, I thought it was a fun movie. Actually. Oh yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, Mom is on the opposite page of, with me, but I... But I pref- she doesn't like Elton John very much. I preferred it to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: Mom really likes Queen.
1: I guess that's it. It's more in, more in her nostalgic wheelhouse. Yes.
0: Because Mom really liked Bohemian Rhapsody. She and did. And I watched part of it and was like...
1: <laughs> By All the right.
0: numbers. Sure. <laughs> I was like, he sure does have some big teeth in his mouth. <laughs> they sure didn't make they sure didn't make Rabbi Balak put a lot of extra teeth in his
1: mouth. <laughs> That's what made his performance so great. <laughs> yeah. Well Terren Egerton had to like be made bald for the six months he was doing the doing the yep. mo- doing that movie. So yep. he said he didn't go out much. He had to put on weight. <laughs> put on weight and he had to lose his yeah. hair. Uh, but he does a great job. And he sang all the parts, too. Yeah, t- he totally. Didn't, which is... He didn't have Freddie Mercury singing the parts for yeah. him like Rami Malek. Well, yeah, will like... he win the Oscar? No.
0: <laughs> no, he will not. But I liked someone, uh, I think it was on another podcast that I listened to, and someone was saying, like, why did they, how come the scene that they used for Rami Malek's, um, like, Oscar nomination video was just a part where he's lip syncing? <laughs> like, how does that give you an idea of him acting in this movie?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's fucked around a lot. Well, I guess I'm gonna go now. Yeah, mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go.
0: Yeah,
1: Pika roo. <laughs> why, why do they hire Mortimer Snurd for this movie? <laughs>
0: Would have been probably would have been a better version of <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody if Mortimer Sturd was
1: <laughs> Mortimer Sturd. Eventually, was uh,
0: was Freddie Mercury. I mean, sorry, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, Rocketman, Man. I, it was good, and I felt like it was pretty. Um, like it seemed pretty honest. Like it, it seemed like he he was pretty aware of how terrible he was. Yeah, you know, I, uh,
1: it's it's the same with his um, biography that he recently wrote. He ghost writ. I, ghost wrote. Yeah. I should say ghost writ. Ghost wrote. Uh, ghost writ is when a ghost delivers a a subpoena to yes. you. Yes.
0: Yeah. They say they say are, are, are you Elton John? <laughs> yes. You've been served. You've been ghosted. by a ghost. <laughs> You've been ghost writ. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Oh, uh, okay, but he is. But yeah, he
1: just said just tell whatever you want. Like yeah, oh, you yeah. know, just be as, as honest. Like I don't, yeah. I don't. Like, uh, to the person who was his ghostwriter, he, like, they, you know, they sit down together and they talk, and Alan Jarman tells stories of his life, and then it's up to the ghostwriter, I guess, to go and sort of frame it all. And, yeah. and like, kind of edit it into something that's readable. Mm-hmm. And, I mean. And compelling as a story. Yeah. And he was just like, yep. He's like, well, what do you want me to not use of what we've talked about? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, just use it all. I don't care.
0: Hmm. So, okay. <laughs> sure. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah, apparently he's a real shopaholic as well. Yes. Not just a alcoholic drugaholic Mm -hmm. but also a shopaholic yes
0: yeah well it did they did end the movie that way
1: with him shopaholicking well
0: they said um they said elton john has been clean from like drugs and alcohol for however many years and that said however he does still have a problem with shopping and then it showed him like in front of all these bags yeah (laughs) (laughs) like in his like big like shoe closet
1: yeah like he sold his record collection which was like hundreds of thousands of records he sold it for charity and donated t- t- the money, mm-hmm. but apparently he has just as many records again. Yeah, so he's just like <laughs> he can't help himself because there's a scene if dad, you watch dad, that. Dad,
0: dad, dad, you're mm- like same.
1: Yeah, totally. If I, yeah, the only reason I don't buy records and stuff anymore is because I don't have any room for them. Yeah, like I when I built my record record shelves, mm-hmm. I had like 50 records. Mm-hmm. You know, like on one shelf mm-hmm. of nine shelves. Yeah, and then.
0: Then you're like, well, I got all these shelves. You got to fill them up. I
1: better fill them up. But then people started selling all the records, mm-hmm. giving them away to thrift stores. And I'm like, yeah. all right, if you don't want them, I'll take them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't predict the the popularity of CDs. People are just going to be like, oh, I guess CDs are the way to go. I guess I'll get rid of all my records and buy them on CD <laughs> or not. Just get rid of them. Yeah. So uh, one last thing about um elton john. elton john which is nice there's a movie called all things must pass which is about tower records mm, okay. but there's a scene with him in it like shopping at the tower records in on sunset boulevard in uh la in, in la mm-hmm. and yeah he's just got like his minders with him and they're like carrying bundles of records <laughs> and he's like going through the records and just pulling all this stuff <laughs> looks pretty fun i mean the problem with i mean i have gone through periods like that where i bought like a ton of cds or Mm -hmm. a ton of records yeah and the problem with it though is that you don't get to live with those records yeah like there's something about something really appealing when you look back to like when i was a teenager and for me to buy a record was like a major deal Mm -hmm. you know i would go into vancouver with my friends and i would have to like save up and think about it yeah i'd have to be like what record is important for me to buy because i'm not gonna be able to buy all of the records i want
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm not going to eat at mcdonald's with my friends because if i do yeah. then i can't buy two records i have to only buy one right so i'm not going to eat lunch i'm just going to buy records mm-hmm. and when you bought those records and you took them home then that you lived in those records you know you i would play them all the time i would yeah. just sit on lay on the couch and i would play that record over and over again i would stare at the cover i would read the lyrics i would see who played on it where it was recorded mm-hmm. all the sort of things that i still love to figure out now you know that was all part of that experience but when you buy a ton of records like you buy 10 records or whatever or more uh and you bring them home you just kind of plow through them yeah you're like well i guess you better listen to all these records mm-hmm. blop okay yeah. <laughs> like, hey, put them on the shelf all done <laughs> which is not not as nowhere near as appealing and and you miss stuff too because sometimes a record's a grower Mm-hmm. it's not a it's not something you're gonna like right away yeah like, maybe one or two songs are gonna be like the hits and the rest of them are so-so mm-hmm. when you first listen to it but if you listen to it a few times kind of like this with this show maybe if people listen to the show once they're gonna be like blah but if they mm. go back through the songs again mm-hmm. be like oh actually these songs do really work or there's these are really good and it's kind of the same with, a, with an album as well and so yeah i just i can like it's, it's sort of appealing the idea of buying that many records at one time but at the same time like how can you live with that like how can you Uh, know those records
0: yeah all right i I just want to say one quick thing sure that duncan and i went to because duncan bought a record player okay and speakers
1: wow so now you have to buy expensive records
0: Mm -hmm. well we went to a record store the other day yeah and i think he bought three or four okay and i bought two
1: this wasn't nuggets was it
0: uh no. Okay. No, no, it was in Penticton.
1: Oh, oh okay. It's okay. called. Oh, a graveyard? No, grave. Graveyard. Boat... Graveyard. Yeah, that's graveyard. Yeah. I bought stuff from there. Oh, did you? Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, I um I got uh, so I bought I don't know I looked through all the records Duncan got what did he get um he bought an Ian Thomas no Ian Tyson
1: Ian Tyson okay
0: um cowboyology maybe which is one that I guess is pretty hard to find all right. Um and he likes Ian Tyson a lot, sure. so he got that. And Then he got a new one as well. Um, Doolittle.
1: Oh yeah, the Pixies.
0: Yeah, and then I feel like he got one more. I can't remember. Oh, he got the Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Oh yes, the... that's right. Whip Cream and other delights. Yes. Um, and then I found um, Look Sharp by oh, Joe, Joe Jackson. Jackson. Sure. And then I also is it the,
1: is it the small one like with the seventy eight size records with a little uh, the little pin inside it with it. The no. Little button, the button with this Look Sharp. Nope. Oh, I have that one.
0: Oh, okay. No, it's the full size. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, it's... Yeah. And then um, with that one, when you buy a free or a record, you also can pick a record from the free bin. Oh. And they look through there. Yeah. Ma- mo- mostly junk. <laughs> I but I did so. find a BJ Thomas. Oh. One that I got. I oh. can't remember which one, though. Hmm. Um, not... Rain drops keep falling on my head. No, not raindrops keep falling on my head.
1: Everybody's out of town?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I'm looking at his discography now to see if I... You can recognize the the title and i okay well really... while,
1: while you look mary let's listen to our next song then and you can you can listen to this song this song is by wilco mm-hmm. this song is from a ghost is born which came out in 2004 this song is called at least that's what you said and uh let's give it a listen everyone here we go
3: That maybe
1: And so that was Wilco and Mary. Yes. What did you think of this song?
0: This song by Wilco? Yes. At least that's what you said. Yes. I liked it.
1: Oh, I'm glad to hear that.
0: Yeah, I thought it was it, a really good song.
1: It's really guitar-y, mm. which is why I, why I like it. Mm-hmm. And we talked. We have talked about this album before. We played a song from this album before.
0: But, sorry, what album is this? A Ghost this is Born? Is a Ghost Born? is Born, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we played Muzzle of Bees, I believe, before for uh, Stephanie Felice's mixtapes. And... Um, One of the descriptions of this album is that it uses composed guitar line, like composed guitar solos. Okay. So they're not like improv or spontaneous guitar solos. They have been, you know, rehearsed and played through. Hmm. And I, which I really like. Mm -hmm. I really like that effect. Because they sound better? I think that they sound more original, that you don't fall into like just doing scales. Right. Because you're, you know, you kind of have like, you know, you have like, feels that you things can, that feel you good can to sort to of workshop it yeah right you can rather of, than
0: being like well I guess I'll just do something yeah and then yeah. like it's hard to just spur of the moment do something that sounds really good or that sounds not really good but really like sort of new
1: yeah that's right it's hard to be novel when you're just like doing off the cuff something because it's so mm-hmm. easy to slip into kind of familiar re, you know retreads you know and sort of do the kind of uh guitar wonkery that's so so popular mm-hmm. you know and so
0: wonkery was <laughs> that it's just a funny word
1: <laughs> and yeah you uh we've already talked about the album so I didn't want to, I'm not gonna talk about it too much I uh, just to say that I think this song is wonderful I just think it's a wonderful song mm-hmm. I love that it starts off very uh, almost starts off almost has hesit- hesitantly hmm. very quietly mm-hmm. and then the guitar comes in and then it just kind of opens up from there into this wonderful guitar piece that's kind of dissonant and mm-hmm. and you know it reminds me of course of neil young i think that's what people a lot of people draw from for these kind of sounds uh you know someone neil young kind of circa you know cowgirl in the sand or down by the river kind of sound you know uh cortez the killer or whatever mm-hmm. you, whatever kind of whatever your favorite neil young uh guitar solo with with a lot of dissonant chords and stuff like that and is uh it's very reminiscent of that but when i was doing this mixtape project mary mm-hmm I never really heard this. I'm not a fan of Wilco, to be honest with you.
0: But you like this album a lot.
1: But I, yeah, I heard a couple of songs by the from this album on, on Mick various compilations and I kept liking the songs. Mm-hmm. Like I heard Theologians and I was like, oh, well, that song's really good. Mm-hmm. And then I heard, uh, uh, I think it's called Kid Smoke, bracket spiders, bracket, and I th- which is a really weird song, but I loved it. And I was just like, oh, this song's great too. And then I heard this song and I was like, okay, this is, I have to get this album mm-hmm. because this is all great. So I happened to be at a, a audio pile the, the used, CD, used music, music store in uh, vancouver and there it was so i like picked it up right away and i just loved it This it's a great album there's like maybe one one there's maybe one or two songs i think are okay and the final song is just okay because it's like a long ambient noise piece mm-hmm. you know so it's like hard to like enjo- listen to that yes. with enjoyment yeah you know? it's hard to be like oh
0: yeah. yes i'm enjoying this
1: yeah is is um Jeff Tweedy, the the leader of Wilco, described that song as the sound of the migraines he was getting at the time. (laughs) So, you know, that's what you're getting. Mm. It's, you know, it's conceptually interesting, Mm -hmm. but realistically not that compelling Mm. to listen to over and over again. It's
0: like the film school of shorts of uh, (laughs) of songs. (laughs) Yes.
1: And so, so yeah, we'll move on from this one, but I, I, you know, I just, I don't want to give it short shrift because I do dearly love this album. And, And if you don't like Wilco... Like me, you probably would still like this album. I think it's a very, very good album, very well done uh with jim o'Rourke uh producing, who seems to be like a uh, an, a marvelous producer and his music's pretty good, too, but its it seems like his uh his production is is bar none. so let's move on then, Mary. You know what, mayor? Yes, the first episode we didn't have much cancon. We had the new pornographers mm-hmm. yes, this episode stuffed stuffed with cancon we're is making it? up we're making up for 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 our lack last time right this is howie Beck. because again
0: mm-hmm. again yep um because we are a canadian podcast canadian we podcast. have a certain amount of canadian yeah. content 30 30 percent canadian content that's right content because of you know because of crtc crtc
1: rules yeah 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 so what we call canadian content or CanCon? Mm-hmm. so here's our can con yes this is howie beck
0: mm-hmm.
1: from his album howie beck
0: okay also came out very t- original
1: also came out in 2004 Okay. And this is Don't Be Afraid. Uh, this is a wonderful little bit of uh, Power Popper, everyone. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. And we're back. Mayor. Father. Th- this is your chant. I'm going to say you like this song, though. I think you like this song because this song, you cannot not like, not like the song. It's such it, a good song. It's, it's good so song. good. It's, it's really good. It's so appealing. Yeah. Like he just he just finds like that sweet spot of yeah. like classic pop music in this mm-hmm. song. And it's so
0: fun. It's, it's such a fun so song. Fun. It's And it's it's fun. But it's also like the lyrics are like they kind of hit you. They're kind of powerful. They're really you know? meaningful because yeah.
1: here's the thing. He had put out a couple of like homemade albums in the, in the late nineties. And then he was just sideswiped by nine 11. Mm. Like it just destroyed him. Really? Yeah. Why? For whatever reason. it's, it's He's Canadian. He probably had like already like anxiety uh, and, and depression yeah. and it just really hit him hard. And he just like went into like this three year funk hmm. where he wasn't doing anything. And so this, al- he put together this album and I think this song is kind of part of that, this idea of don't be afraid, you know, and it's uh. It's just a wonderful song, though. You're right, and I do think it has that kind of emotional element to it that comes from real lived-in experience. But also, it's just a fantastic tune, really good. So he's from uh, from Toronto. He's a musician, producer. who lives in Toronto, and he uh, he's kind of like uh, he's kind of like Sufjan Stevens in a way. He produce he produces the albums himself. He plays all the instruments himself. He does all the singing, all the songwriting by himself. He had a uh, a friend named Ed Harcourt, who's a British singer songwriter quite well-known in England, who uh, came in to do uh, backing vocals on it. But other than that, it's all Howie Beck. And uh, what I like is it's recorded it at a studio called Four Wall Studios, which is the name he gives to his home. His home studio is called Four Wall Studio, which is good. Not as good as our studio, Mary, Stu Stu Studio, but still well, pretty good.
0: Yeah, what is? <laughs> um, I I found out the BJ Thomas album that oh, I got okay. is um, his self-titled
1: oh, from 77. Okay. Oh, that's a quite late one. Mm-hmm, it is. Is it a religious one? No. Oh, sorry. It's just near the tail end of yes, his secular career.
0: Yeah, it's like two, two or three years before his first like oh, okay. religious album. Okay. Um, oh, interesting. But yeah, it's big. Um, song is a cover of "Don't Worry, Baby."
1: Oh, by the Beach Boys. Song. By the Beach Boys, yeah. Great song. Mm-hmm. About a person in a drag race. Oh, is it? Yeah. Hmm. And his girlfriend telling him not to worry. He's gonna. He's gonna uh, be all right. Hmm. It's very weird. It's a really compelling song about a weird subject matter. Because <laughs> all of us can, uh, can empathize with someone who's in a drag race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we can all empathize with being frightened. So yeah, so that's Howie Beck. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that, Mayor.
0: It's a super fun song.
1: Is that what your notes say? Yes. <laughs> super fun song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very good. And I felt like a good break after the intensity of, of the Wilco song. To have this little yeah. little bit of a like a light lighter, so it's like this is like the, your little um, you know those little wafer cookies that you get that are like too that really kind of airy wafer I don't with like the those. sweet icing in between. You don't like those ones? No, are they're they too, too dry? Too, too dry, but not too sweet.
0: Uh they're a little bit too sweet.
1: That's an impossible con- con- concept to me. Okay, although I have tasted things that are too sweet, to be honest with you, Mayor. Yes. Let me tell you something about Mike Davidson. Mm-hmm. Mike Davidson is a super fan. Of? of completely Beatles.
0: Oh yes, that's how he found Sneaky Dragon. That's how he
1: found Sneaky Dragon. And that's why he sent C- mix CDs t- or CDRs to me to be recorded. And I don't know if he, if he was re- disappointed by them because I didn't really like go to sixties on them. I kind of wanted to be more eclectic and not like be obvious. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I did want to acknowledge the fact that he's a super Beatles fan. In right. fact, I'm going to publicly thank Mike. I've already thanked him in private, but. He sent us a very nice gift to complete the Beatles. Well, to me actually, because I kept it for myself. He sent a very, very nice. I'm gonna say an extremely nice gift. One that I probably wouldn't have bought for myself because mm-hmm. it was a little too much money. I thought. What? What was it? Uh, I don't. Wanna talk, I don't want to say what it was, but it was really good. Why? It was the uh, the that collection of all the Beatles um videos, like all their oh, like all their filmed yeah yeah uh, stuff. Cool. It's a very good collection. Cool. And I, like I say, I probably wouldn't have got it for myself mm-hmm. just because it was very expensive. Although mm-hmm. that usually doesn't stop me. but
0: True. True that.
1: <laughs> but, but at the time, it just felt like, oh, I don't have the money for this mm. big collection. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I got it in the mail from this wonderful person. So yeah. that's nice, right?
0: Yeah. And then you sent him a couple of terrible mixtapes. <laughs> I did. You wow. got him, made him all Good mad. retribution.
1: I heard he was kicking rocks around a field for four hours after he listened <laughs> to these. No, I'm joking. Uh, he, he said he enjoyed them, except for one part, and we'll talk about that near the end of the oh, show. Oh, okay. Totally. And, uh, but yeah, so I wanted to like say, hey, I know you're a Beatles fan, so I'm going to put a Beatles song on here mm-hmm. for you, but it's going to be something maybe you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. I want to put an obvious Beatles cover on here.
0: Well, yeah, you also don't want to put a Beatles song on, because yeah. he's a fan of the Beatles. He's yeah. listened to all their he's lo-
1: songs. <laughs> he's heard their songs. But I think this is a under undersung but amazing medley by a band called Pozo Seiko. And this came out in 1970 from their album Spend Some Time With Me. And it's a medley of Strawberry Fields Forever and the song Something. Hmm. And uh, let's give that a listen. And I think you'll enjoy it, everyone.
2: Let me take you Something in the way I she moves Cause I'm going to Affects me like no other And nothing is real I don't want to leave her now Nothing to get up about You know I believe in how Strawberry feels forever You're asking me will I love to grow I don't know in my dream, I mean it must be high or low Oh, you know you can't tune in Oh no, but it's alright That is I think it's not too bad Let me take you down. so i
0: How's it going?
1: So, what do you think of that song? Are we back? Yeah.
0: Okay. Usually we come back with a little more punch.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe I'll, I'll punch it up there. Well, no,
0: it's, it's fine. This is and great.
1: we're back, everyone. Okay. Well, okay. Welcome back to Listening Party.
0: Talking like this is an
1: amazing or, like, show. Truck show. Listen, everyone. If you don't like Listening Party, mm-hmm. you can go. I don't know where you can go to. Actually, I'm not very good at uh, trash talking. Yeah,
0: no, you sure aren't.
1: Also, I really hurt my throat. Yeah, so I'm going to talk to the rest fair. of the show with it. And
0: the listeners' ears.
1: <laughs> I don't think I was too loud.
0: Well, the uh, more, more of... audacity would disagree. Oh, my goodness. No, that's not even it. Go back. It was like just like solid Peak. wall of text or of, uh, of lines. Um, but yeah this is a real uh, glee style em up huh
1: okay okay is that what you thought thought of it
0: no I didn't i i I actually wrote I wrote um I feel like I need to know more about the song before I can make an opinion it's oh, okay. weird it's weird it's kind of weird I didn't know what I was listening to okay
1: okay well, you're listening to a song that takes two Beatles songs mm-hmm. strawberry fields forever yes and something mm-hmm. and it Which... makes, makes one song of them. can
0: I just say something yeah I don't really know the song. Something. Oh, okay. So.
1: Something in the way she moves attracts me like no other lover. I.
0: Something I, in the way she. This is for someone who is your daughter.
1: I never really pushed the Beatles on you guys. Actually, it's a for funny someone thing.
0: who is your daughter yeah. and also who does a music podcast. Yeah. I never had a big Beatles phase. No, Eve, Eve had a Beatles. Eve phase. had a Beatles phase. Yeah. Um, I never did. Yeah. I I enjoy them yeah. a fair amount not as much as you or most a lot of other people do yeah um but i I don't know all their songs yeah you know i don't know all their albums i don't i have songs of theirs that i like i have songs of those i don't like very much yeah. sorry dad um <laughs> it's all right we and can... i've got lots of songs i don't know like this one yeah or something i know strawberry feels forever of course yeah
1: yeah but so you could recognize Strawberry Fields forever in this mix, but you didn't know what the other lines were. Is that yes. what it was, or it just yeah. confused you all around?
0: Uh, yes, and
1: <laughs>
0: both of those. Yeah,
1: it's okay. Well, that's. I just think it's a really well put together mashup. Uh, it's not really mash-em-up. It's more like a card shuffling because it 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 kind of trades off which song is being sung, mm. but also they're sung simultaneously, mm-hmm. and then one will kind of take precedent in, in mm-hmm. the in the arrangement, and then mm-hmm. the other one will will. And so I find that really kind of fun. Right. So you're fun... saying
0: it's better than a Glee mashup. I,
1: you know, Glee is fine. I don't I don't know too many of their mashups, though.
0: Me neither. <laughs> I didn't really watch the show.
1: Yeah, I know they're like, like their covers and stuff, but I don't know. I don't ever remember seeing like a mash, mash em up. Where that's they... like the
0: thing they do where they take two songs and they mash them right? okay. up. Cool. There's a whole, um, it's a whole wiki article that's like, oh, it's there's a whole wiki article on Glee.fandom.com on list of mashups performed on Glee.
1: Well, maybe it was based on this, dear. So this song was actually released as a single, but it didn't quite catch. Maybe because people had the same problem with it that you did, dear, which mm. is that they're not too sure what's going on. It's, yes. it's a little too complicated yep. for your average listener. And, and like,
0: I, I think unless you're like a Beatles super fan, yeah. you're not gonna get anything from this. Maybe
1: that's maybe that's the case. Uh, I made it to 125 on the Bubbling Under chart but it did not did not crack the 100 uh so mayor mm-hmm. pozo Seco was originally called the pozo Seco singers and it began as a trio and you know where their name comes from
0: no oh uh, wait, wait okay sorry sure, say it again poco sezo. po co say so yeah as a trio yeah i don't know
1: it comes from a uh oil oil like oil drilling term for a dry well oh hmm. so yeah so the pozo Seco is a dry well because uh, they're from they're from uh, texas from corpus christi texas like the, the group now they uh, had a couple of pretty sizable hits as like a kind of a folk group at the beginning of their career sing a lot of songs with that kind of hearty singing style and then uh friction with their producer this guy named bob johnston who probably best known as producing some of the really significant bob dylan albums like blonde on blonde um most of highway 61 revisited you know Whatever, whichever name of Bill, Dylan album, he probably produced it up to a certain point. And then, uh, I guess, the friction between him and the group caused one of the founding members, this guy named Lofton Klein, he left the group. So with his departure, the remaining members, Don Williams and Susan Taylor, they then they shortened the name to Pozo Seiko. And so after their third album, they left Columbia Records. They are happy with the promotion they were getting from the label. And then they did this weird thing. Which I think is really strange. When groups like leave a label because they're unhappy with promotion, mm-hmm. and then they go, "Well, oh, let's sign with Sertron Records." Who were Sertron Records? That's a good <laughs> question because they were like a small record label based in Nashville that lasted for a year. How is leaving Columbia Records, this huge promotional powerhouse label, who mm-hmm. maybe were neglecting you, but that's kind of your own fault too. You should get get your act together and make some get some hit records going. Yeah, but how is leaving them? And going to like some to small, small little small, place yeah, no one's ever heard of, little mom and pop shop, and then complaining that your records aren't selling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they went to certain Records, which was a like I say a small label based in Nashville, uh and then they released their final album, which is I mean I kind of get that maybe they me.
0: felt like they weren't getting enough attention. Oh for sure, right? Like yeah. they felt like they were focusing on their big acts rather than like giving attention to this little act, and they were like, well, at a little place. Um, they don't have like there's no competition between like big acts that they already have we can be their big act
1: yeah that's true and to be fair at that time the record industry was less Picky. less des- well less designed to to for the for the major players mm. there was more f- f- leeway that allowed smaller labels to to prosper right yes you know so you could have regional labels and mm-hmm. they could do okay mm-hmm. there could be distribution arrangements that allowed the records to get out there into the mm-hmm. world there was less payola Mm-hmm. there's less cocaine being used to pay off DJs and stuff mm-hmm. like that to get record play. Yeah. So you you could, you know...
0: You could have a label like RCA, which did nothing, continue to exist <laughs> just by putting out Elvis compilations.
1: <laughs> yes. But well, they had David Bowie. Mm-hmm. You know, they had Jefferson Airplane in the 60s. They had David Bowie in the 70s. Mm-hmm. They seemed to like have like a... a a, the ability a to like get at least one one guy good artist. They're on like, their this label. is our guy for this decade. Yeah, yeah. We'll
0: just we'll just coast. Milk it. We're gonna milk it. Everyone else, sorry, we've got this one guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we have Elvis.
0: Elvis counts as a guy. Yeah, he's a guy
1: for sure. Yeah. One of the nice things about playing in Nashville, Mary, mm-hmm. is that you get the Nash you get Nashville cats. Right. You get the cream of, of Nashville session players playing yes. on your album. So mm-hmm. when you listen to this album, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Like all the instrumentation is fantastic. Yeah, it's slightly countryish. It's a bit country folk, which, which at this time seemed like an appealing way to go, but was not like super successful as a as a genre for Great. whatever Sorry, reason. What year is this? Nineteen seventy. Oh, okay, yeah. So just a little bit before the Eagles. Yes. Took country silence into the stratosphere
0: mm-hmm. and was this around the time that the birds were trying to go country yeah this is a, a year after 69 like, was you guys sweet- have long hair and yeah. you're not really country <laughs> that's right bunch sweet- of hippies
1: sweetheart of the rodeo they even cut their hair shorter to play at the uh, grand old opry and it didn't, nope. didn't work no nope. they uh, could
0: see right through that
1: yeah i mean you could just like name all the all the country country rock failures of that time period i think i have before whether it's dillard and clark mm-hmm. the uh uh Bre- flying Breeder brothers mm-hmm. obviously for the birds mm-hmm. And I guess you could put Pozo Seiko into there, too, as groups that, you know, had a certain amount of popularity, but just couldn't push that push this form Mm -hmm. because you're you're not only pushing against the traditional country people who aren't going to buy it, Mm -hmm. but your rock audience is also not going to buy it because they're Mm -hmm. like, what the hell? Yeah. You know? It wasn't until like the 70s came and then everyone decided to get all mellow that it became became more popular.
0: Mm -hmm. Everyone decided to uh, like the Eagles.
1: Yeah. One of the players on this album is David Briggs. He plays piano on it, which I found kind of interesting because he would go on to become like Neil Young's go-to producer on so many, so many of his albums Mm -hmm. for so long. Uh, But the album was produced by this guy named Tony Moon, who did the arrangement for the medley, which I thought was interesting because he's the co-writer of Soldier of Love, the Arthur Alexander film, which film, song, which the Beatles covered in their early years, like when they're playing in Hamburg and stuff like that. And if you listen to the, at the BBC, there's a version of soldier of love by the Beatles on there. Hmm. And so, yeah, it's kind of only fair that since they recovered covered a 20 moon song that he gets to cover the Beatles songs right? Uh, for this. So yeah, uh, after this album, postal Psycho broke up. Oh, okay. And Don Williams went on to a very It's
0: hard for a band to fail. How do you mean? Like if you fail as a band, it's hard to continue. Oh yeah. As a you band. can't, you it's, can't go. Yeah, that's right. You know, like, I yeah. feel like it's pretty common that a band will fail and then they'll break up. Yeah, it's less common that they'll fail and then they'll keep going. <laughs> yeah. Happens sometimes, but not yeah. often.
1: It's very rare that that happens. Yeah, how many? Yeah, big star. Uh, I guess in a in a form, but they didn't really stay together. Hmm. I think Chris Bell is a pretty essential part of the group. Yeah, that's fair. And I think if you listen to the to Sister Lovers' third album, you can really you really f- can feel really feel loss. feel the loss of of Chris Bell's. At yeah. least his spirit is in the second album. Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of like power pop Beatles influence, Mm -hmm. which isn't as as apparent on third album. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty rare indeed that a a group fails and and continues on. I can't think of too many groups that failed and continued on. Would Sloan be an example of that? Yeah. You know, their second album. They broke up for a while and they came back together to do an album basically to promote their record company. Mm -hmm. And somehow it worked and then it was success and they carried on from there. But yeah, Yeah, it's pretty rare. You're right. Mm -hmm. Pretty rare. There's some groups there that just kind of carry on, or they never succeed. So the 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 kind of weird failure is sort of the group's raison d'être. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. so you just kind of carry on, yeah, uh, striving. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yeah. I think it's probably harder if you do something good once. That's not a good. I mean, well, not good. Sorry, you successful. do something successful. You make something that's yeah. successful once. Because success is often just then. just pure chance. You yeah. Know? That's nothing to
1: do with your no, quality. No, 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 you're right. Community. That was a
0: poor, it was a unintended word choice. And <laughs> I'm not trying to say that things that are not successful are not good. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I mean, that's, that can be a contributing factor that it's not good. But, well, no, that's, but I'm also, not, I'm also ma- not saying that everything yeah. that
0: doesn't succeed is good and things that people who are failing are, aren't are making bad yeah, yeah. media because, you know, they often are. hmm but you know, nothing's hundred percent. Sometimes people succeed with bad music.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just all depends on zeitgeist, timing, mm-hmm. you know, just luck, your ambition. Mm-hmm. You really, you know, so many things are, are the moon, part of it. the moon, yes. the cycles of the moon. Exactly, you know. that's a big part of it. Exactly, Mary, the cycles of the moon. All right, Mary. So yes. we're gonna listen to a song. Okay, that's, that is what we do on this podcast, supposedly. But I'm gonna, <laughs> but then I'm going to. We're gonna start kind of a mini mini documentary after this song.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: So, so everyone, prepare for a little mini documentary. Okay. Based on a band that I love. Okay. And that band is the Millennium, mm-hmm. which is the uh, pretty basically Kurt Betcher, mm-hmm. his 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 uh, project, and we're gonna to listen to the song "It's You." Okay. From their album, their 1968 album, Begin. So let's give it a listen, everyone. This is "It's You." Are you ready, Mary? Yes. everyone we're back that was it's you mary father i'm gonna guess once again Hmm. i'm gonna guess success Mm -hmm. that you like this song
0: uh yeah sorry i do like this song i like it quite a bit i actually love this song it's a really good song (laughs) it's fantastic i love it It makes me very happy to listen to
1: okay (laughs) let's wow there we go Mm -hmm. that can write that in the box how come I have to be in the box? How come you can't have that in the box? So, yeah, it's I will agree with everything that you said there. I really love this album. I'm a big Kurt Betcher fan, is the thing. I think mm. he's uh, kind of an underappreciated now, probably always was an underappreciated mover and shaker in 1960s L- the 1960s LA music scene. And the Millennium, which was formed by Kurt Betcher, and, and let's call him an LA wonderkind producer, mm, okay. arranger. Uh, he was kind of a rival to Brian Wilson in terms of like, production sounds and techniques right as well as like amazing vocal harmonies mm-hmm. um that's something he brought right from the get-go he started off as a folk singer he was in a group a folk quartet called or he was a quintet a folk quintet called the goldbriars and it even was, it then it was a quintet it was a quintet and even then he, it had a it had just uh, he could really like hear his really interesting vocal like ability to, like his arranging abilities, like right to the fore. Even on something that's super simple, like a, and I'm gonna play an old folk song called shenandoah This song, Mary, I have a great deal of trouble with is a song. Okay. Because it killed me when I was trying to learn to play guitar when I was a, when I was uh, in grade eight. Mm. Like when you, I learned, I attempted to learn to play guitar from the Mel Bay music instruction book. Mel Bay, I guess, was a guitarist, and he put together like a a
0: brother of old Bay,
1: a brother. Mel Bay brother of Old Bay yeah who's old Bay
0: the seasoning spice
1: oh I didn't know that was a thing
0: yeah it's old Bay seasoning okay yep. yes he
1: was he was a brother of old Bay. yes and glad I had to explain the joke
0: so <laughs> it always makes it funnier
1: so here's the thing mayor when you when you when you try to learn something mm-hmm. you will always face your Shenandoah mm-hmm. and either you will you will succumb to Shenandoah yes or you will overcome Shenandoah mm-hmm. and I'm here to tell you that I succumbed to Shenandoah when right. I was trying to learn to play guitar. This
0: is... Is that like from Dune or something?
1: What's that? Dune? You will
0: you will face your over, your Shenandoah?
1: Yeah? Is it's, that from Dune? No,
0: it just sounds like something oh. from Dune. Okay. Well, I think
1: Shenandoah <laughs> was like a battle during the Civil War. Oh, okay. And this song is like a, a song about the battle or like about the results of the battle or whatever. I'm not too sure what it's about exactly because I don't like this song because it, it, it has a very painful memories to me. Because, you know, you learn to play guitar and you go to your lessons... I had to take the bus mm-hmm. to go to my lessons with my guitar. Mm-hmm. Take the bus. It was a twenty minute bus ride. Get to my lessons. At this time there was a serial killer operating in, in the lower mainland. Y- which one? Uh Clifford Robert Olson. Oh yes. So they're okay. like missing children posters in the in the hallway of yeah. this place I went for my music mm-hmm. classes. No one knew why they were disappearing. They just mm-hmm. were they had disappeared so they had posters up for them. Mm-hmm. This is before he was caught. Uh, so I take my twenty minute ride, go to this go to this little uh very old building in the nineteen seventies, you know, like this wood paneled place and i would do do my guitar lessons and my teacher would teach me how to do like one string one string picking so i'd be like okay you're gonna play on the d string and you go like bong 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 and then you move your finger down bong bong so that's what i learned right Mm -hmm. and so you slowly like are supposedly building up skill which i wasn't doing to be honest with you i wasn't building up skill at all because i found this very dull and i didn't practice very much and then so you're doing all this very simple stuff and then one day you turn the page you turn mm-hmm. the page of your yes. Mel Bay instruction book, mm-hmm. and there is Shenandoah.
2: Mm-hmm. This
1: complicated, multi-dotted, all these notes every which way, expecting you not just to play single string, but suddenly you're supposed to play like chords. Yeah. And it has like, you know, three three dots over top of each other, indicating where the chord is supposed to be that you're supposed to be playing to write, do the song. And I didn't know this song at all. I didn't know Shenandoah. And this is before Google. You couldn't like go to Google and go, what's Shenandoah sound like? So then you're playing the song, you don't even know the tune you're supposed to be playing. So you don't know you know if you're right or wrong or what's going on, and so I just gave up, Mary. Mm. I admit it. It overcame me. The song overcame me. Yeah. And I pretty much like gave up uh, playing after I had was forced to quit by my parents because of my school marks, which had nothing to do with my playing guitar. <laughs> but I was I was punished for my school marks by being made to give up my music lessons, which I was paying for myself, by the way.
0: Mm.
1: But anyway. So that song, that song murdered me, but let's listen to...
0: Right. Sorry. And then, and then you turned the next page in your music book. Yeah. And there was an advertisement for Old Bay.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. That it went right back to simple bong. Yeah. And it was bong. like, it was like a clam chowder <laughs> recipe. And
0: then the next page, yeah, was just... Um, also, Are you looking
1: up Old Bay on your phone? No,
0: I'm looking up Shenandoah. Oh, okay. So Shenandoah was a, uh, it originated with uh, fur traders and voyagers. Oh,
1: okay. Oh.
0: Um, so... I was wrong then. Uh... So
1: that's not the first time.
0: Uh, Shenandoah was an Oneida uh, chief living in what is now New York. Um, oh, so I guess some lyrics refer to the chief. Yeah. And a canoe going trader who wants to marry his daughter. I see. Um. Yeah. So it's, yep. For, for traders, trappers. Okay. Um, voyagers. In and voyagers and in, in canoes. Voyagers. Yeah. In case people don't know are people who would uh, canoe down. Um, through waterways and then would carry the canoe from waterway portage to waterway. From yeah, waterway portage. To yeah. Yep.
1: I read a very good book about that. That I think is about yours. Portaging. Well, about a person who is, it's a modern person who did. He tried to follow um, Alexander Mackenzie's route. Oh. Uh, okay. Through through the on the Peace River and then through the Rockies mm-hmm. and then down to the Fraser and mm-hmm. from the Fraser down.
0: Mm-hmm. So following like Simon Fraser's route. Is yeah. That what it was part
1: well. Alexander McKenzie. Oh, Alexander McKenzie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You said that. And uh, it was pretty, quite good. It was like a British guy who came, he would come over here. They they had to do it in three different oh, okay. attempts. And uh And yeah, it was pretty grueling. It sounded like. Yeah. It does pretty not crazy.
0: sound good. Canoes are heavy. Especially <laughs> heavy. if you're carrying all your stuff.
1: Yes. And then it's not just that because if you say you're having to portage a mile. Uh-huh. So you portage the canoe. Mm-hmm. Then you walk back and you get your gear Mm -hmm. and you bring back whatever you can carry, another mile. So now you're at three miles. Yeah. If you have to go back again, it's another four miles Mm -hmm. and then another five miles to get back again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's not just one walk. Yeah. And
0: especially if you think about it, people were carrying food. Food. Yeah. And also all the furs that they had collected. That's right. Right. Because these are real fur traders. Furs are not light. (laughs) No, they are But this is actually why Pemmican was designed by Métis people. Um, because it was, it, pemmican is just like, just like dried meat mixed with like berries and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's really like small and light. It's basically like jerky.
1: It's like a super protein.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, it's just, it's all, it's like all the protein and, um, like vitamin C and stuff that you need. Yeah. You know, super light, easy to make. It uh, preserves forever because it's all dried. Mm. And yeah, that's why you take pemmican because you don't want to carry your other food.
1: No, yeah. You'd have your traps, you'd have Mm -hmm. your supplies your mm-hmm. rifles yeah your all your all your other gear you mm-hmm. need axes yeah and you know plus some clothes not very much they probably just stank most of the time they probably just heaven. wore the
0: same pair the same clothing yeah realistically <laughs>
1: yeah realistically <laughs> yeah and well they must have had like one one set of clothes to change to unless it is well probably not they probably just washed naked by the, by the yeah. river or whatever, just got their clothes wet and yeah. dried them out. Then they they, they, they,
0: they you just wore them wet. Yeah. If you were in like a warm place, just yeah. warm wet until yeah. you... Ugh, <laughs> horrible life.
1: Well, some people were attracted to it. It's very strange. But let's listen to Shenandoah. This is Shenandoah by the Goldbriar Singers. Okay. I just want, I wanted to play it because I want you to hear a kind of example of the nascent, the early Kurt Betcher, but still amazing vocal arrangements, I think. Mm. So let's give it a listen. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Okay, and we're back. So, so yeah, this this is like a, a kind of a simple. Um, this a, like, I just wanted to use like a kind of popular song, as an example of of his vocal vocal uh, arrangements and stuff, which he then took. What the band started in the Midwest, but then they moved to L.A. to make some records for Epic record for Epic Records, which was a which is a. Uh, speaking of Columbia, is a, a side, as a you know uh, what do you call it, a subsidiary label of of Columbia, and epic was meant as a label that wasn't for stuff that was as as distinguished uh to be on um to be on columbia so you'd have your uh rock bands on epic and then you'd have your like high hoity-toity acts on columbia records so after the goldbriars broke up they did they did uh two albums they recorded a third but the third was never released they broke up and uh at that point point, when they started their third album uh they they got bring a, brought a drummer into the group a guy named ron, ron edgar now, when the group broke up, Ron Edgar left, obviously, and he joined the Music Machine, a, a local L.A. band, which also featured Doug Rhodes on organ and Keith Olson on bass. And that's that band is best known for Talk Talk. And I'm going to assume that most people know this, the song Talk Talk. Mary, do you think that most people know this music song by the Music Machine, Talk Talk? No. No? No. All right. Well, I'm going to play that song now then. Okay. So we're gonna play the song "Talk Talk" by the Music Machine. I said this was gonna be a mini documentary, and this is what you're getting, everyone. Sorry. Um. Yeah.
0: If we're doing like a mini document documentary, can yeah. I do a talking head? Yeah. I think Dad is going way overboard with all this Kurt Betcher stuff. Why? I don't know. I well, hey, you can't comment. On oh, sorry, it. sorry. This is sorry. a talking head. This okay. is just me. I'm like alone <laughs> in like a broom closet or okay, something, okay. and it's just me talking to the camera, oh, and I'm venting. Okay, you go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I just feel like, like this podcast is supposed to be about like lots of musical groups, and he's just like spending so much time talking about the Millennium, and it's like whatever. Okay, we can cut back to, back to you talking more about Kurt Behringer.
1: All right, so, so now we're gonna play uh, "Talk Talk" by the Music Machine, mm-hmm. just so people can hear this song, just so right. they know who the Music Machine were. Sure. Kind of pretty prototypical LA
2: mm-hmm.
1: garage rock band of mm-hmm. that time period, but yeah. a really great one. Yes. And this song is pretty short. It's just like a short, sharp shock. And let's l- give a listen, everyone. Okay.
2: I got me a complication, and it's an old child. It's in my reputation as something more than one. I know it serves me right, but I can't sleep at night. Some shot Lots are good. My name is really mud. I'm up to hearing lies. I guess I'm down to size. To size. Talk, 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 talk,
1: talk, talk. All right, so that was exciting. Mm-hmm. That was an exciting song. Yeah. It's a good uh, song. A good example of garage rock of the of the mid '60s in mm-hmm. LA. Uh, and what's kind of cu- what's kind of fun about this little mini documentary that we're doing, Mary, really, and I know you're enjoying this, is is mm-hmm. that um, is that we're kind of getting that that sense of of the evolution of the music scene in LA as well. So you have your folk rock, mm-hmm. which was like such an important part of the early days of of LA mm-hmm. the LA music scene. And then give an
0: example of a folk rock singer from the early days of the LA music scene.
1: Uh, the Association would be an example of that. So okay. they, that's the scene they grew out of right. as well. David Crosby would be an example mm-hmm. of someone who was, and Roger McGuinn as well, were mm-hmm. all people who were part of the, the the folk scene, I should say, not really folk rock scene, I should say the folk scene mm-hmm. of that time period, which of course then kind of grew into the folk rock scene, mm-hmm. as well as having garage rock bands. Mm-hmm. And then all that kind of gave way as a shift towards psychedelia. So mm-hmm. as, as marijuana became more popular and, then mm-hmm. a, and LSD and stuff like that, you had this shift in how how songs were constructed and, and thought of and that became the psychedelic kind of element of, of of the scene and so then you started having more like studio experimentation so something like good vibrations by the beach boys right and and then it kind of change in the sound so kurt Becher was kind of riding that wave so we have kurt betcher who came to la as a part of a very straight folk group the goldbriars then he became the first producer for the association did the fantastic arrangements on their very first album, which unfortunately, because of a falling out with the band's manager, who then signed to the company that Kurt Betcher was signed to, called R Productions, uh, he was signed to as a staff producer. They wouldn't, they couldn't work with Kurt Betcher anymore because they refused to work with R Productions because of the connection to their, to their, ma- their, their manager. Mm. So, although Kurt Betcher was such an integral part of the beginning of the Association sound, like pretty much constructed that really like ornate harmony style that they, that they took you know through the rest of their albums right uh he was unable to work with them but then he went on to work with a guy named tommy roe and he produced several like big hits for tommy roe who is kind of like a person who'd be kind of associated as like a teeny bopper singer but one of the kind of the very first sort of bubblegum sounds as well and so after so you know he was launching he was part of launching the association part of producing hits for tommy roe uh doing this great album called it's now winter day winter's day which is maybe one of the first very first concept albums as well it's a it's an album that that um, has like th- themed songs on it, uh, with, all written by Kurt Betcher and sung by Tommy Rowe. He then formed the Ballroom with a friend named Sandy Salisbury and uh, Michelle Mallory, a couple of friends, and they put together this um, kind of a folk rock, kind of a um, kind of a psychedelic, not really psychedelic, kind of light psychedelic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, harmony singing group, which unfortunately fizzled. Mm. D- didn't really get out. Didn't really get out of the the, the starting gate. Uh, but when that happened, uh, Kurt Betcher had. Met Gary Usher, who was uh, was one of, one of Columbia Records really like really successful producers, mm-hmm. and so Usher bought out Betcher's contract with our Productions and brought him to Columbia as the producer. Oh wow! Because he wanted to work with Betcher on arranging and producing this song that he discovered, which that he thought would be a huge hit.
0: Okay, which song?
1: And this song is "My World Fell Down," hmm. which was released in 1966 by a British group called the Ivy League. So now we're going to listen to the Ivy League's version of My World Fell Down. Okay. And I think this is a pretty good version. It has a super interesting arrangement. this really cool string arrangement to it. Obviously taking a page out of, out of the Beatles, Eleanor Rigby. But let's, let's give a listen to, to the Ivy League and My World Fell Down, everyone.
2: Just like a breath of spring You came my way I heard the bluebirds sing But not today I'm still surprised.
1: So that was pretty interesting. Mary, did you still want to be a talking head for this? Uh,
0: um. Well, no, the talking head part's over. Documentary's not all talking heads. Oh, it's not all talking head. Okay. No, no, okay, no. no. I just it's like to make sure. You like cut to... Haven't you ever seen The Office?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Or any of the mockumentary episodes of Community? No. You haven't seen any of the mockumentary episodes of Community? No. They're quite funny.
1: Hmm. I've seen uh, Orange County by bite- Toppers. Or what's it called? No, sorry. I see it's a show where like there's a family and they make... They make yes. uh, motorcycles yeah and then they always fight each other and throw boots around you know?
0: yeah there's that there's that meme now it's one of those like meme formats oh, yeah, where yeah, yelling, threw, yeah, yelling and then throwing the chair <laughs>
1: that's right
0: yeah i remember you watching that show when i was a kid
1: <laughs> it's good i like watching people make stuff but then it got boring because all they did was fight
0: well yeah it's a reality show
1: yeah so okay so so now gary gary asher heard this song mm-hmm. and he thought with the right production this song could be like a big seller right and so he brought in kurt betcher they brought in session player Glenn Campbell. Okay, this is before yes. Glenn Campbell of, was a big, yeah, was famous. Yes, uh, he had played with the Beach Boys. He had mm-hmm. toured with the Beach Boys as a fill-in for for Brian Wilson. So he and Bruce and uh, Bruce Johnson, who was another another auxiliary Beach Boy, came in and they did the they came in to do the vocals. And of course, using the cream of a- L.A. session players, Gary Usher and Kurt Petcher produced this single, which you know what I think it could have been a really big hit, except for the fact that kurt usher, or gary usher had gone a little insane and insisted on putting this music concrete part of into the middle of the uh, middle of the single mm. which i think most people in the 1960s la la lying their way through a song would have found this a little a little annoying but i could be wrong maybe this is part of what made it appealing so let's give a listen to sagittarius's version of my world fell down so here we go everyone
2: Just like a breath of spring, you came my way. I heard a bluebird sing,
3: but not today.
2: I start from crying
1: And so that was, that was Sagittarius with My World Fell Down. And then Mary, you heard that, that kind of weird Carnival, Barnyard middle section in the middle <laughs> of the song. I'm not quite sure what it was. And I I'm wondering.
0: Carnival, Barnyard is not really a descriptor you want for a song, <laughs> generally.
2: I
1: know, it's just so strange. Like the album version, on the album, they took that out. But the 45, the single that was released, has that on it. Yeah. Just like with Hotel, not in- going
0: to encourage people to buy your record, guys. If Just your like single with- has this weird, yeah. barnyard carnival part.
1: They also released a single for a song in the album called Hotel Indiscreet, and on the single version, it has uh, this this um, monologue from one of the members of the Firesign Theater uh, as a hippie fascist, okay. y- yelling, "We are all hip, we are all hip. One, two, three, hip. Eins, zwei, drei, hip. Sieg Heil, Sieg Heil." Back Weird. to the song. Yeah, strange. it's very strange. Uh, so that's, that song wasn't as successful. I don't know if people got what the heck they were trying to do there. But Gary Usher was really enamored with the fireside theater. I think he used them to put together the the music concrete part of My World Fell Down, because they also did the same thing for a song on the Notorious Bird Brothers called Draft Morning, a David Crosby song that was on that album, where it has uh, kind of a, a a montage of war noises. Okay. in the song and then it goes back into the song again hmm. like with stuff like you know uh shooting sounds explosions and like a bugle doing a uh, some sort of like call you know hmm. and then it then it kind of fades out again and, the, and it goes back into the song proper hmm. so yeah it's uh, just something he was doing at the time which i don't know it's kind of weird but anyway but the single was successful enough that the label asked for an album and then they discovered there was no group it was just Kurt Betcher and and Gary Asher pretending to be a group called Sagittarius. Right. So then they had to like throw together an album. So what they did was they uh, took a bunch of unreleased ballroom tracks and even stuff that had been previously recorded, and they just re they either used the tracks mm-hmm. outright mm-hmm. or just re-recorded them again mm. for this album, uh, and then added a few songs of their own. It's a pretty good album. Like it's a really good album. I feel yeah. like sunshine pop. Here's the thing though, Mary. We've talked about sunshine pop before, and I really think that sunshine pop. The problem with sunshine pop was that no one liked it outside of LA. So he had like all these LA producers who loved it because it was really intricate mm. and full of like hard stuff to do mm-hmm. where there was like really tricky playing yeah. or tricky singing mm-hmm. and like little kind of musical jokes in the writing and stuff like that. But the rest of the world is like, eh. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's kind they're of... like,
0: I personally don't uh, see or enjoy these musical jokes that you put in that <laughs> yeah. are apparently only to be enjoyed by you and yours yeah like oh I wonder why that's not popular
1: yeah besides a kind of few freak hits which you know just were hits for whatever reason like most sunshine pop just did not translate outside of outside of California mm. and or the west coast because there's stuff that was popular up here in Canada as well that was not ever heard of on the east coast hmm. but yeah. you know
0: is this because us west coast people are so like laid back yeah
1: and, we like um, we like complicated harmony,
0: and we love being late for things. <laughs> That's true. And we d- we don't have a sense of commitment, I mm, guess. Okay. Things like things I've heard from people from uh, Ontario. <laughs>
1: All right.
0: <laughs> there Boy. was a stoner I used to work with who was like, "Yeah, everyone out here just like doesn't know how to work." I was like, "What?" <laughs> he like <laughs> literally abandoned his dog at camp and oh. just like left for three weeks. Yikes! And I was like, "Yeah, no us West Coast people, <laughs> huh?" <laughs> Maybe
1: he's adapting. <laughs> adapting to us yeah yeah so such a pop is like a mix of like i think of like commercial or jingle writing Mm -hmm. and then um easy listening obviously Mm -hmm. then elaborate vocal harmonies okay beatlesque pop yeah uh and it didn't really like capture the imagination of the public the way like i love it and i love all of it because i I like it's it's elaborate and weird yeah well
0: you're a weirdo well
1: let's not get into that
0: okay but it is accurate i don't
1: think it's accurate at all
0: okay
1: let me continue with my kirk Uh, documentary all right let me just cut to a quick talking oh sure
0: um dad is really acting like he's not a big time weirdo about music but like he's had like how many music podcasts come on let's be real okay we can go back to you and then when we go back to you you're saying something that makes it obvious that you are a music weirdo so just like read any of your notes
1: (laughs) i was just gonna say (laughs) that i think that i think the group that cracked the sunshine pop (laughs) this is a theory (laughs) <laughs> it's nothing to do with weirdness, by the way. Anyone anyway, yeah. out there, he's listening. Okay. Uh, this is a theory, but I think the Carpenters cracked the Sunshine Pop okay. code. I don't know how they did it. I think they mm-hmm. just simplified it enough, right? And then had a really appealing singer, okay? That they they made it popular, right? And I, I, I think just, I also, just
0: wanna, I just want to say that Dad currently is waving his notes around like a madman. <laughs>
1: not waving my <laughs> notes around like a madman. It's outrageous. <laughs> Go back in your closet.
0: <laughs> That's where I do my talking heads from, Dad. Yeah, makes exactly. Makes the most sense. Go
1: back in the closet. Anyway, so, um, now, even though Sagittarius... So, yeah, the album came out, mm-hmm. and it wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. Just because of Sunshine Pop. Yeah. Even though it had some great stuff on there. Mm-hmm. So, but, I should say, not okay. so, but. Yes. But is yes. a better conjunction here. Okay. But, yeah, because Kurt Betcher had produced The Association, had hits. Mm-hmm. Produced Tommy Rowe, had hits. Mm-hmm. Had a hit with My World Fell Down. Mm-hmm. Number 70, not super great, but pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Columbia decided they were going to throw money at him. So he could do his pet project, which was going to be the Millennium. Which is Pet Sounds. No. That was Brian Wilson's pet project. Oh, right. Yes. Wasn't that Smile? No. Oh. Smile was also a pet project. Right. But the reason Pet Sounds was called Pet Sounds is because Michael Love insisted Pet Sounds was Brian Wilson's pet project.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. So my Pet Sounds joke was appropriate. Yes, it was
1: appropriate, Mary. That's why I wanted to to let you know that. Great. Thank you. So now, with Columbia's backing, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Betcher gathered a group of hugely talented friends around him, including former Goldbriar drummer, Ron Edgar. Okay. And because of the connection to the music machine, Doug Rhodes came in. Although, he, uh, Betcher knew Doug Rhodes because Doug Rhodes had played sessions for the association when he was producing them. Uh, f- also, um, oh, I, guess I won't bring that up yet because we're just talking about the musicians. So, keyboards player, Doug Rhodes, former ballroom bandmate, Sandy Salisbury, came in on vocals and guitar. And then an assortment of young musicians that Betcher had either produced singles for or had done demos for came onto the project as well. So, there was... Lee Mallory, who is a guitar player, guitar singer. Uh, another guitar singer, Joey Steck, joined. And then another guitar singer named Michael Fennelly joined. And so we had this huge conglomeration of people uh, to do this to do this album. And I all of the players contributed to songwriting. All of the players it's kind of a it's kind of a sign of the democracy in the group that all of the players are are credited as for as conducted conducted and arranged by the Millennium. So it's not right. just Kurt Betcher taking the credit. He's mm-hmm. giving the credit to the entire group. Um, but I do think that Joey Steck and Michael Fennelly were like the key collaborations. They wrote It's You. They yes. also wrote To Claudia on Thursday, okay. which is another great song on, on the on the album. And both of them were singles as well. So mm. they really brought their A-game to it. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of good songs in there as well. The Island mm-hmm. is a good song. I like just t- tons of good songs. This is a really good album. Uh, now, another former Music Machine member who I mentioned I mentioned earlier, bassist Keith Olsen, came in as co producer on the album with, with Betcher because he wanted to learn to be a producer. And so uh Betcher kinda of took him under his wing and so they produced Eternity's Children Together the year before and then they worked on this album together. And then uh unlike unlike uh Kurt Betcher, Keith Olson went on to a very successful career as a producer. Oh, okay. Betcher was just too too um weird. Yeah just—he wasn't like It wasn't stable enough. He was too creative a person. Mm,
0: yeah. Keith Olson I is mean, your
1: your work a work a day plugger. Right. Whereas Kurt Petcher was your crazy, you know, genius. Mm-hmm. You know, inspiro- inspired. Yeah. Kind of person. I
0: imagine for a lot of musical acts, it would be hard to work with a producer like that and not feel sort of stamped. No, trampled. I mean.
1: St- yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's true. Yeah. Um. Although, I think that it's I think it's a sign that he's giving enough that he didn't like take all the credit for this album. He gives co-production credit to Keith Olsen. He doesn't take any credit for the arrangements and stuff like that. He gives that to the group as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously he was willing to work as a team, as a team member. So, and the association loved working with him. There was no, there was no personal conflict between them. Right. It was only band politics that was completely removed from, from, uh, Kurt Betcher's control that prevented that from happening. Uh, no, I think he was very popular, but I think he just, you know, I think it's just, it's hard to be a super creative person and not be successful, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, it just gets harder and harder, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and the thing is, the album, it cost $100,000 to make, which was Oof. the most expensive album at that time period. Yeah. I mean, maybe for Columbia Records, like, I'm thinking now, like, like the um, Good Vibrations, the Beach Boys single, mm-hmm. this is one song, mm-hmm. was a $70,000 production. hmm and you know, luckily for Brian Wilson, it was a big hit, yeah, so it it recouped its cost. yes, but that's a lot of money to throw into a single, yeah, that is. a hundred thousand dollars for a twelve song album mm-hmm. it's a lot different than for thirty thousand dollars more they did that for you know yeah,
0: but I mean, it was also but it was just the Beach Boys had already uh, oops, done a lot, yeah, and had hits before, yeah they Put seventy thousand dollars towards that single. I sure, know, sure, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the Millennium, no one had heard of the Millennium. <laughs> oh, no, that's true. Right, yeah. like this is even yeah. even if other people had heard things by Kurt betcher yeah, or like things they not really by hadn't Kurt though because he was
1: he was always a behind the scenes guy. Well, yeah,
0: that's the thing, right? Like if even if they liked the Association, they're not yeah. going to see oh the Millennium. Yeah. Oh, they're not going to look at it and be like oh. This, there's that producer. There's the- <laughs> that producer f- from the Association that I like. Like a really small percentage of the population is going to make that connection right yeah. especially um sort of before the ability to like look on wikipedia and be like oh yeah that guy also did this thing here's a list of everything he's ever done right you'd have to like look at the association remember who produced that album along yeah. comes the the association and then look at this one and be like oh he's in this too right like that yeah. takes yeah. a lot of steps You're it is a lot, a lot st- from your audience it is
1: a lot of steps and then there's also the the always problematic fact that kurt betcher didn't want to tour the album Mm. they did a couple of shows in la and it was super hard to to replicate the album on stage Mm. even though they had a lot of musicians in the group yeah it was just really hard to get that sound Mm -hmm. it's a very studio sound that he achieved and like when you listen to the songs it's actually amazingly understated the production like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not like a it doesn't feel like a kitchen sink production. Okay. It doesn't feel like a wall of sound. You don't feel like it's a million instruments doing a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's like a big, huge bed of guitars, obviously, because mm-hmm. there's a jillion guitar players in the group. Yeah. But it's pretty simple. It's not really complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty f- interesting. And then I'll also enjoy the fact that there's that phasing at the end of it. And it sounds like they kind of let, they kind of left it in. Mm. Um, phasing is when you slightly adjust the two, different tracks so they're not playing at the same time with each other mm-hmm. and it creates like a, a kind of a hiss right in in the song it gives it kind of a, a weird sound like mm-hmm. almost like a jet taking off in the song oh, okay and at the end of the song you can hear, kind of hear that we're gonna kind of goes.
0: Mm. Sh- i mean the beginning of the song also kind of sounds like something that they just left into
1: oh i love that little yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just love that i wish they do that more but because yeah. this is such a weird thing to do in a song mm-hmm. but it's great you it know. It's a uh, great touch.
0: reminds me of they use that Oh no, no, never mind. Sorry, I was as, for some reason I was thinking that they used a similar sound in um, "Thank You for the Music" by Cornelius, but I don't think so.
1: No, I don't think so. No, you're mixing up with a cat.
0: Yep, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> totally tracks. <laughs> Cut to talking head. That does not track. I do not know what he's talking about. Cut back to the regular documentary. Dad, I don't think documentaries work over podcasts the same way that they work. Why? Uh, as a Is movie. that
1: Karina Longworth has incredibly successful hollywood-based thing but only you she calls it a this. documentary there are documentaries
0: does she call it a documentary
1: why well, she doesn't but there are documentaries she just writes out all the stuff yeah and then she sits and reads out mm-hmm. it's like it's not her discussing with someone else and yeah bouncing ideas mm-hmm. around and having a kind of fun conversation is mm-hmm. this her mon- monotonously reading you right. a script
0: boring yeah i tried listening to a few episodes of it but i tried listening she had a a segment on um what's her name that actress um what was she in she's in grace and frankie or Lily Tomlin? No. Oh, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. It was on like the two Janes. It was on like Jane Fonda and another Jane who was in um, uh, the Joan of Arc.
1: Oh, Jane Seberg.
0: Yeah, Jane Seberg. Okay. Yeah. I tried listening to that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they're both, both interesting careers, but if you just read something, it's kind of boring. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of our documentary though, Mary. Mm. Thank you for taking part in this.
0: Oh yeah, no, no worries. I'm I'm glad that I could uh, submit my professional thoughts and opinions. Yeah,
1: thank you. I'm curious to listen to the show later and hear your uh... my talking heads. Yeah, from the talking heads I was not a part of. they were all very positive. I'm glad. I'm glad nothing to hear that. Negative said about you at all. Okay, well not... that's good because I was going to say the next song. Yeah. Title Although, might just, summarize.
0: Can I just say quickly like, sure. that I kind of feel like we were maybe going for like different kinds of documentaries, where I was going for sort of like a real housewives type thing. Okay. Okay. Whereas you were going for something boring.
1: Well thank you. You're welcome. At least i um, thank you for recognizing my intention. Yeah, no year. You know, That's it's what always, I it's good to be understood. No, I I I, know. Yeah. I, f- I feel that. Sure. So, yeah, you're welcome. You know, I like well, you know, cuz one thing I always look for in our and our interactions uh-huh. in the show is your support. Yeah. And I it, totally it, appreciate it. So that's obviously why I'm, I'm, I'm so, glad that so looking forward. I'm support you and yeah, yeah. telling
0: you like what what's up. And, yeah. I'm and so looking forward what?
1: to hearing your, your thoughts. Yeah. No, uh, on what was obviously a pretty interesting documentary, mm-hmm. a little mini documentary, mm-hmm. a mini doc, mm-hmm. doc mm-hmm. that I just thought, because, mm-hmm. you know, yep. as you know, yep. Yep. Kurt I'm yep. a big fan. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. mentioned him many times. Yes. I just really wanted to have like a kind of a, kind of a concentrated moment of Kurt Yeah, Yeah. So thank you. Thanks for taking part in that. Oh yeah, no. You're, and you're right. um, Mary, mm? yes. I think this next song sums up how people should be taking uh, what you've been saying. Oh, okay. Uh, it's Sloan. Uh huh. Don't you believe a word?
0: What? I'm gonna guess Mm.
1: i'm gonna take a wild stab in the dark here okay yes that you Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. fan Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. this Uh song Uh
0: why why would you say that
1: well because
0: give me some evidence give me some some reasoning
1: okay well you like to read that's true right you like to read i do like to read the song has the word word in it Which are contained in books.
0: There's some flimsy logic there, Father. (laughs) Flimsy. Flimsy.
1: So, well. Often. Yes.
0: When I, uh, when we play a song by a group I really like. Yes. I say, this is not my favorite song of theirs. Yeah. In this case, I would say this is one of my favorite songs (laughs) of theirs. That's good. I love the song a lot. It's a very good song.
1: Yeah, I love the song too. It's, it's yeah
0: so fun. It's so upbeat. It's uh, it's great to sing along to. Sure is. It's just a fantastic song.
1: It's Yeah. Makes me smile. Yes. And what's weird to me about this song is it feels like it's an underloved Sloan song. You think so? Like you just don't hear people talk about it. It wasn't a single. Yeah. It, you don't really hear it live.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. Like to me, like if you're going to play a song from Between the Bridges, which is mm-hmm. the album this is from, Between mm-hmm. the Bridges, which mm-hmm. came out in 1999. Yes. Which... As everyone knows, was the year to party.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Prince's album that came out in 1982.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was looking. He's a for, very forward-looking. Um, yes, he was. By the way, Mary. Yep. Second Con song. Yes. Uh,
0: sorry, party like it's a 1999 is our second Cancon song. No, this is the oh, Sloan song.
1: This okay, is that is song makes more Sloan. sense.
0: That makes more sense because Sloan is a famous Canadian band. Sloan is famously a, Canadian.
1: Famously Canadian, a well-known in Canada Canadian band, and yeah, this song. Well, first thing, let me just say, Between the Bridges, probably, I know this is going to sound weird, but it's probably my favorite Sloan album. Now, okay. saying that, I'm going to agree with you if you said to me, but dad, mm. Navy Blues? Twice Removed has so many oh, so removed. many other yeah. great songs on mm-hmm. it. You know, it's got Pen Pals, it's mm-hmm. got I Hate My Generation, mm-hmm. it's got People of the Sky, mm-hmm. it's got Coax Me. Yep. And I'm going to go, you're right, you're right, mm-hmm. Mary, you're right. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to say, but dad, Navy Blues has so many great songs on it. It's got Iggy and Angus. It's mm-hmm. got she, she Says What She Means. Mm-hmm. It's got Community City Maniacs. It's yeah. got um, uh, Kill the Baby Lions.
0: Yes. The famous song, Kill the Baby
1: Lions. <laughs> uh, come, on, let's, come on, come on. come mm-hmm. on. We're going to get it started, I should say. What
0: if I said, but Dad, what about Never Hear the End of It?
1: Never Hear the End of It? Also Crickets. pretty good.
0: Crickets. Oh.
1: <laughs> also a good album. Yeah, it's got lots of good stuff on it too. But mm. I don't know that album as well as I know the, the earlier stuff. No, so. it's... Uh... It's a, it came out when when you got when you guys were a kids album or when you guys were when I was not listening to music the same way as I once was. Yes. With. Uh, it's but between between the bridges, it is it is such like because my problem with like twice removed and stuff like that is yes, there's lots of great songs in there, but there's also songs in there that I find kind of slow, and I'm just kind of like waiting to end. Whereas between the bridges, it's like super strong all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yes. It has like a great every song is really strong. Yeah. Everyone contributed really strong songs to it. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I also like that it tells a kind of a story. It talks about them as a band. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's about Halifax. Yeah, it is. It has references to Halifax. The Moon and the mm-hmm. Marquis was a club they played at a lot. Yeah. The popular. N- the NS. The NS, in the Nova Scotia, yeah. of course. If you. And I, if, I think
0: the NS if has you say that, that great line. Yeah. that is That um, is, if you can't swim in the ocean. If you say that it's cold. Oh, if you say it's cold in the ocean, then you're yeah. not a Nova Scotia boy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: If you say that it's cold while you're swimming in the ocean, yeah. then you're not a Nova Scotian boy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's a great line. And it's, uh, yeah, it's to me, like it's just like a very, it just feels like kind of like this like great like song cycle mm-hmm. all the way through. Yeah. And I really like it. That a really
0: good uh album ender delivering maybes
2: yeah it's delivering maybes, which song. is of course
1: about being in a band mm-hmm. you know like traveling around delivering maybes maybe it'll be a good show maybe it won't be a good show maybe mm-hmm. people like it maybe they won't yeah we don't know but mm-hmm. it's just like a and great
0: in california is another song about being a band yeah being about them yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah 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 and about yeah about giving up the idea of like well just yeah it's just a great it's a great album and mm-hmm. I don't want to say too much about Sloan because we've talked about them before. I will say this is a Jay Ferguson song.
0: Oh, okay, yep.
1: It's a Jay song. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of course, all four of them wrote songs. There's three songs for for, by each band member on this album on Between the Bridges, which is also kind of cool. So it's like a balance of stuff. Mm -hmm. So you get and Jay at this point for whatever reason was either a. Super heavily influenced by early 70s rock, okay. AM rock radio. Yeah. I feel like this has a lot of Emmett Rhodes in it as mm-hmm. a song. Yeah. It's a little bit of McCartney, but I feel it's more kind of rocky, and like rockist, more guitar rock. And mm-hmm. and that kind of connects me more to like Emmett Rhodes than it does to Paul McCartney. Right. Uh,
0: but Jay generally does the most beatles influence songs. He does most
1: Beatles-influenced songs, but he also loves the 80s. So you'll have a song on here, like there's a song in here, uh, but... The, Take Good Care of the Poor Boy? Yeah, which feels like an Asset Camera song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so there's like different kind of, uh, different kind of influences and they really, Sloan as a band really wear their influences on their sleeves. Mm-hmm. Like they have no problem with you. Like listening to a song going, you sound exactly like so-and-so. They'll be like, you're right. Cause they're so <laughs> That's great. That's what
0: we're going for. That's what we're going yeah. for.
1: You think we sound like Kiss? You're like, I love it. I love Kiss so much. I have a Kiss sticker on the back of my bass. says Chris Murphy. <laughs> so yeah. What just, song over
0: there sounds like Kiss?
1: I would say like, um, on, uh, many City Maniacs on, on, um. Navy Blues has a real Kiss sound to it. Okay, yeah. Like, Kiss are, like, when, pe- pe- like when people, like, when I was growing up mm-hmm. and people talked about Kiss mm-hmm. and how they looked and the Kiss Army and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I thought they'd be, like, the hardest rock and roll band I'd ever hear in my oh, life. Oh, yeah,
0: no, they definitely sound different than they look.
1: And when I finally saw them, I realized, oh, they're just, like, a glam rock band mm-hmm. <laughs> that really went for it, you know, yeah. Like, but really, like, were able to, like, take something that wasn't that popular in the United States and really, like... Like Cheap Trick as well. Like they were really able to like push that that sound mm-hmm. as a band. And, and they're really just, it's really just kind of like pop rock. Yeah. You know, which is why like their later stuff isn't quite as interesting because they kind of did fall into the heavy metal trap. Right. Later in their career. But their early records, even though they're called like Destroyer and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the songs on there are just like, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, they're just like pop songs. Yeah. And that's great because I love pop songs. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of funny. You have
0: pop songs delivered by guys wearing a lot of makeup. A lot and of kabuki wearing, makeup. That's and wearing, um, that's right. wearing like really high, really high um, boots. boots. Yeah. yeah. High platform boots. Sure. Yeah.
1: And when a guy who's had a cow's tongue grafted onto his own tongue.
0: Mm, yes. Yeah. And he bit a head off a bat?
1: I think you're thinking of Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, I am thinking of Ozzy That Oz is Osbourne. later on. Yes. Yeah. Yep. When he did bite the head off a bat. They also yeah. bit the head off a pigeon, I think is around like that, or a dove or something. Oh. Hmm. Kind of a weird, weird thing to do. Seems like. And Also, a reason to get a lot of uh, a rabies shots, biting heads yes. Bat. Yep. bats. Yes, yep, bats. are notoriously unhealthy.
0: Yes, they are, I think, the only animal in British Columbia that can transfer rabies to humans. I'm going you... oh, tra- to tell you... for humans do
1: Yeah, but this is a scratch, which is most terrifying. Mm-hmm. Because that the guy who got... there's like a bat flew into him when he was changing a tire or something like that, and it mm. scratched him. No, when
0: he got rabies? He got rabies and died. Oof, yeah. Rabies is pretty scary. It is. Because you... If you get it, you are... You have, like, I think it's 58 hours or... It's not thirty six hours. I think it's a bit more than that. Yeah, but you have like one hundred twenty seven hours. No, it's not that long. Uh, you don't have to cut your arm off or anything. Um, <laughs> you're like, I've been waiting in this emergency room for so long, and maybe if I cut my arm off, they'll saw, get me some <laughs> saw. Saw. <laughs> maybe if I cut my arm off, I'll finally get some service. Triage. Looking at you, Langley, uh, General Hospital, Langley Ugh. Memorial Hospital, Langley Memorial. Yeah. Who's it memorializing? Langley. Yeah. Okay. Fred Langley.
1: The Fred found, Langley, the founder of Langley. <laughs>
0: It's wrong, but okay. Um, yeah.
1: I-, I can say one more thing about this song.
0: Oh, I just want to say... No, I want to say... A source for that is I got bit by a Pine Martin. Yeah. And I had Did to Did you go-, go to Langley? Yeah.
1: Oh, that was your mistake. Well, first
0: I went to Whistler. Yeah. And there's no service there. We talked oh. to a nurse who was literally wearing a blanket as a shawl. <laughs> Duncan was very upset at the unprofessionalism. Um, and... they should have
1: professional shawls here
0: and then uh
1: yeah she should be wearing like a shawl that's covered with little animals and stuff like that like their uniforms are
0: yeah like yeah they're scrubs (laughs) um and then i went to langley and i waited there for something like six hours and then left
1: i have left waited there many times
0: yeah it's terrible it's literally i i thought all waiting rooms were like that and then i learned that no most waiting rooms are much better langley is particularly terrible
1: okay well, it's a small hospital, but the problem is is it, it serves people who don't want to wait at Surrey Memorial, so they come to Langley. Hmm. It serves people from Abbotsford who don't want to wait at Abbotsford um, MSA Hospital, and they come to I think it's just Abbotsford Langley. Hospital now. It's not MSA anymore? No. Silly.
0: Well, because Abbotsford's no longer MSA.
1: It's, it's not Matsky-Sumas? No, it's just Abbotsford. Oh. Swallowed it all up, eh? It
0: did. Even the Historical Society has changed its name from MSA to just Abbotsford Heritage.
1: That makes me sad. Heritage, Makes me sad. Well... Don't lose your heritage, people. Keep your heritage. uh I just want to say one thing about this song, Mary, right? or this oh, album, yes. right? Which is this: that if you watch, wait,
0: are we talking about Kiss still?
1: Not talking about Kiss. We're oh, talking about Sloan. Right? Okay, yes. If you watch the the DVD that came with A's and B's, or A side wins or whatever, you know what I'm talking about, right? A side wins. yeah A sides wins. A side wins. Yeah. um If you watch the documentary in there, uh-huh. or like the little talking heads between videos, yes. Um, Chris Murphy talks about the fact that he had this brilliant idea mm-hmm. when they d- did this album mm-hmm. of recording them doing the whole album live and then releasing those songs as videos. Okay. So they did that. They rec- recorded at a concert, just of them in a studio mm-hmm. performing the entire album live mm-hmm. and then they released one of those as a single Yeah. and then they didn't release the rest of them. Mm. So it's so frustrating to me that there's this like somewhere Yeah. there's this fantastic like footage mm-hmm. of them doing this album live mm-hmm. and by the way i saw them do this i thought they do this album live yeah at the uh vogue theater in mm-hmm. vancouver yes i think i think the opening act was danko jones but it might have been it might have been uh cuff the duke okay because both those acts open for them i went at, at, at the vogue so whichever right. whichever, con, whichever tour it was but i think it might have been danko jones but it doesn't okay. matter it sure doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter at all sure does not matter it doesn't matter to anyone but me nope does not matter. Does not matter. <laughs> like, right, that, completely irrelevant. Me, I should put a little little list, list of 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 like guidelines. Yes. That I can see. Yeah. Like one is don't say ah, uh, which uh-huh. I say all the time. Yes, yeah, same. The other one is not important. Mm-hmm. Don't Seems go, vague. Don't go into, <laughs> don't go into minutia. Yes. Dave, stop it. Uh huh. That's enough. Yep. Dave. Yep. No more n- n- minutia. Uh huh. Quit it. Yeah! Exclamation mark!
0: Yes. No, that seems like a useful, um, useful, um, use of space. Good use of space. Oh, there. good use of space. Okay. Yes. Yeah, just having that many lines that just <laughs> say stop it.
1: <laughs> well, you gotta underline it.
0: I think that you should follow like, um, you should follow, um, guidelines for if you're gonna ask a question at like a live podcast yeah, or like yeah. a live version of something. Sure. When it's like you think about it and you're like, is this interesting to anyone other than me?
1: Yeah. No, I don't care about that. Okay. I guess. That's. Because you don't know if it's interesting or not. Right. Like you can't make judgments like that, especially when you're just talking.
0: No, that's fair. You can't
1: make snap judgments because then sure. you're just like going like blah, blah, blah. Oh, no one cares about that. But you don't know.
0: Right. So but just like... say it. Just say it. But like.
1: What you're saying, Mary, is that you don't care about that. Right. You're making a value judgment. Yeah. That other listeners not might not be making.
0: Might not care which exact band opened for Sloan yeah, when you saw them... At the Vogue Theatre. ...perform at the Vogue Theatre. In specifically yeah. this album live. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because what was curious about the band at that time is they didn't have their auxiliary keyboard player. Oh, yes. So then they would... And because there's a lot of, like, Fender Rhodes on this album, uh-huh. they would, like... So not only were they, like switching up between drummers and guitar players mm-hmm. and who was playing bass, but they'd also, like, stop... They'd also switch up so one of them could play keyboards during a song. okay. So that was kind of interesting as well. All right. I just want to say sloan if you're listening put out that rest of that footage of your of that live act because that would be so interesting to see right mm-hmm. like why didn't they put it on as extras on the on the uh, dvd for that thing
0: also you're talking about gregory mcdonald
1: Greg Mac- gregory mcdonald auxiliary yes. keyboard player
0: keyboards and percussion
1: yes he 2006 does. to present yeah he's been there with him for a while it's true 14 years wow
0: by my math time flies just 20 minus 14 <laughs> no, i mean 20 minus 6 i
1: think you're right so mary
0: yes should we move on to the next song? We're gonna we move to the next song. I heard about Sloan for like a really long time, and right? I'm gonna guess. Uh huh.
1: I'm gonna make a guess about this song when we're done. Okay. everyone. Yes. I have a feeling I know where Mary falls on this song. All
0: right. Well, let's. But
1: see. this is Scroody Polity.
0: Scroodie Polity.
1: Scroodie Polity. Okay. From their album White Bread Black Beer, uh-huh. that came out in 2006, and this is the song, Doctor Abernathy. Let us give a listen to the song about said doctor.
2: I wonder how I'm feeling now I don't suppose I should have chosen that stuff How much is enough I don't quite hear the dime drop The buck stop Or the bell I stole a glance at circumstance. It's way too big for them to figure out. Inside in the exercise yard, the three winds blow, the deer jumps, It won't be long, round and round punks jump up to get beat down all the days of my life love You weren't here. You wanted heroin. I gave him beer. Dr. Ebony be called cool to see if you were in. He wanted masculine. I gave him gin. Dr. Ebony. The olive river. So long, know. I finished it on Saturday. I started in July. Another reference for me to try. I'm to see if you're here. The news is terrible, Getting are the clear. Susie me, the owl of Miniver.
1: Mayor. Yes. This song joins a short pantheon of songs, rock songs about doctors. Okay. I can't think of too many. Doctor Robert. Uh-huh. Doctor Roberts.
0: Doctor Zhivago.
1: That's not a rock song.
0: Oh, it's a movie. It's
1: a movie. Okay. Yes. Right. Uh, I got the mix. Doctor Rock by Kid Rock, not the, not the current Kid Rock, but a sixties Kid Rock. Oh. Okay. Um. Father of Kid Rock. No. Oh. Okay. Um, I can't think of any more off the top of my head. Can you? Um, Join in with me, please.
0: i Doctors. Um, oh, Doctor Strange. No. Doctor Who. No. Am
1: I... I guess, are you thinking of Doctor and the TARDIS by Doctor Who and the Time Lords or by the Time Lords or whatever? Nope. A offshoot of the KLF? Uh,
0: no, I was not kay. thinking about that. All right. I was just listing other pieces of media that were named <laughs> Doctor something and no, pretending just, like those were going to be songs. Just
1: being a smart ass, hey? Well, it's more right. just
0: being silly. Mary, it's hmm. time for me to guess. Okay.
1: Your feelings about this song. Mm-hmm. And your feelings about the song are mm. indifference.
0: I thought the song was weird. <laughs> I, I thought the song was they made a song yeah. and then they took another song yeah. and then they put it in the middle but, of that song like yeah. a song sandwich. But
1: but Green Gartside said that if he was listening to an album, that's what he would want bands to do. That if you're doing like a slow ballad, mm. that in the middle of it You'd have throw in like a rocking part of it or like a rock part. Right. So that's what he
0: But it makes it seem like an Oreo cookie.
1: But Oreo cookies are good. And that's why I like Oreo cookies, everyone.
0: I personally eat the Oreo part separately.
1: Well, I eat them together. Well, because it makes for a nice mix. I chocolate and vanilla.
0: Mm, no, I don't really like the cream part that much.
1: Once again, you don't like sweets. You're a chocolate person. It's true. I'm a candy person. I know. So, I think the song's very good. Okay. I think I really do enjoy the the slow beginning, mm-hmm. sandwiching the. The slow ending, the slow ending and slow beginning, sandwiching the the, the middle part, the, middle, the part. Rocking middle part, the rocking middle part.
0: It's pretty. It's a pretty weird song, though. I think that you can. I think anyone could would agree that with that. No, that it's a weird song. it has a
1: very Beatles sound to it. Okay. With the with Wait, the. Guitar it's sound. it's just
0: a weird format, though.
1: How do you mean? Like because it has slow.
0: Because it's like a different song sandwiched between. Okay, because you know what it's with a... okay. Let me say this sure. be because, um, this CD format that I was given to pre-listen to it was different yeah. than the other ones. Yes, that's true. I was, when this part came up, I was like, is this the same song or is this a different song? Like, I literally can't tell because the yeah. the number hasn't changed since the first song on the side. <laughs> so I was like looking like at my phone yeah. and I was like, well, what's the next song? And I was like, well, this isn't that, is this that song or is this? The song before like i don't know i couldn't tell yeah and i was very confused hmm. and then it went back and i was like oh i guess it was the same song this whole time yeah but oh sorry about that well no it's it it is what it is it's just you know is it that's it's just a strange it's just a we, it's it's weird you know it's hmm. a weird format for for a song
1: okay i i really liked it i i think um yeah i like uh i like what he was going for right i do like what he's going for and Which- i uh, because I'm a fan of Screedy Plitty, obviously. I'm not. Such I a... like
0: Skank Block Bologna.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. And I like the Sweetest Girl from uh, Songs to Remember. I think that's a very good song. In fact, I like a lot of Songs to Remember. I'm less enamored with their mid, with their early '80s uh, pop funk sound mm-hmm. that yep. that brought fame and riches to to Green side. But he didn't enjoy the the fruits of these because he did not right. enjoy being uh, popular and famous. He mm. found it quite horrible. Yes. This is their fifth album, though, uh, and coming out a full seven years after their fourth album, which is called Anomi and Bon-ho-mi, uh which appeared 11 years after the 1980 al- 1988 album Provision. Provision marked the end of their, of Skritti uh kind of pop funk period. Oh, okay. Where they were like making songs that were very, very much like an 80s production sound with a lot mm-hmm. of program drums. Mm-hmm. And synthesizers and all the rest of it. And Green's, uh, Gartside's very sweet voice. And it's kind of an interesting group though, because, you know, we played sk- Skank Block Bologna, which comes out of this very political idea. Um, you know, this. Wait, social- have
0: we played Skank Block Bologna? Yeah, we played that. Oh, song, yeah.
1: okay. Uh, back on Stephanie Felice's second play- playlist. Oh, okay. That she asked to be compiled for her boyfriend, who was a mm. Joy Division fan. Right, right, right. So I made sort of a post-punk mm, comp, yes. comp. I comp-, pol- comp. I want to say confirmation, compilation. Yes. But yeah, so they're sort of weird. So they went from like this point where they were putting out albums that had like, you know, like telling you how the, you know, the cost of making the record, where you could make records, like where you could get m- records done if you wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, so making it very open and this kind of creating this idea of like this, the scene, this independent music scene and, you know, they're part of the indie scene. They're signed to Rough Trade Records. They put out Songs to Remember, which was a switch from their earlier sounds, they kind of gravita- Green Guard said start gravitating towards a more smooth pop sound. Oh, okay. And then his other bandmates weren't so keen on that so they left the group and he carried on Right. into the 80s and he had these songs, these, you know, he had like a number five hit with um, would uh just like Aretha Franklin and Perfect Way was a big hit in the United States mm-hmm. uh, which was from uh, Perfect Way, I think that was from Cupid and Psyche 85. And then Uh, he started like having kind of a nervous breakdown he didn't he didn't perform live because he did have a he did have a what they thought was a heart attack during a performance in 1980 when they realized it actually was an extreme panic attack Mm. and so he stopped performing live for a long time Mm. which is part of why he changed his musical style because he had to go like take a long break from doing anything and he stayed at his parents place in Wales and recovered from that and then came back and he kind of relaunched Scrutty Plitty with a sort of new idea yeah less political more pop Right, and it kind of took it through to its its natural conclusions, which was as, as a completely like like a complete sellout, basically. If that's your idea of what selling out is, is like you know, leave Rough Trade, sign to Virgin, mm. you know, leave r- Rough Trade on bad terms as well, because Rough Trade had sp- spent all this money promoting mm-hmm. uh, Screenplay and promoting songs to remember, yeah. and then just have success, and then have the band leave, mm-hmm. you know, which was they were free to do, but it was kind of hard, right? Yeah, that's why when they got the Smiths, they signed them to like a hard contract that right. kept them locked in for several albums for five oh, albums Because whatever. of just because of that experience of right. putting all this money into a band and have mm-hmm. them leave and not be able to reap the benefits of it as a label so you're doing you're spending all this money on publicity and stuff like that for bands and then when they find success they go mm-hmm. that's really hard you know yeah. you can't really succeed on that that's why they went out of business basically so <clears throat> um yeah and so he went to, did these you know these were all like you know albums produced professionally pro- produced by arif Mar- Mardin uh, who is like the Bee Gees producer during their, their heyday of staying alive and, you know, main course and fever and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, so he, he brought his like super, you know, smooth, polished pop new to this whole thing. And Green Garth, they did not enjoy it. He just found it like anxiety ridden, you know, just dehumanizing mm-hmm. everything that was bad. And after pro- provision, he basically left the music business for 11 years. Wow. Went, lived in Wales I uh, listened to hip hop and uh, just did nothing. He, he made a lot of money from, mm-hmm. from his a- the 80s version of Screedy Plitty. So he just lived on that money and uh, just kind of had a, a decade long nervous breakdown hmm. before he came back with Anomi and Bon yeah, which was kind of a weird mix of pop music with rap mm. or hip hop. And then um, and then another seven years, and then he put out this album, which he made kind of accidentally. He's just fooling around. And then he was, he was talking to Jeff Travis from Rough Trade, and Jeff Travis at Rough Trade said, we'd love to for you to do an album. Like, I've heard some of the songs you're doing, and I'd love for you to make an album for us. And he's like, okay. So he started. So he just recorded it by himself, and he was really inspired by Sufjan Stevens just to do all the instrumentation himself cool. and, and record it in his own home and just live with the limitations of recording. Mm-hmm. Of recording, uh, you know, in that sort of situation where you don't have, like, any kind of outside-out input, so it's right. you're kind of making it up as you go along, and... And dealing with your own limitations as a producer and, a, and, a, and, a, and an instrumentalist, and then he uh, actually toured this album as well, and he played a couple of songs. This is uh, for fun in a bar, mm-hmm. and wasn't didn't die of fright. Mm. And he says, "I guess I'm over my stage fright." Yeah. So he toured with this group. He put together a friends he knew from this bar okay. in his neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and but you know, so I don't know. It's a kind of a fun story, I think, but also. I think a, and lots of good songs on it, but I think it's a really good... Uh, mm-hmm. The song's really great. I mean, I think... It's got lots of things I like in it, which is Beatlesque pop. Yeah. That kind of very light power, you know, kind of light singing mm-hmm. style. and uh,
0: I feel like I would have liked this song more yeah. if they didn't go back to the softer okay, stuff at yeah, the end. Yeah. Like if it was just like softer and then went into a harder. Yeah. Like I feel like that is like a more sort of comprehensible format for me for yeah. some reason than this weird like sandwich thing huh. which for some reason just like totally like takes me out of the music yeah and i'm like wait like how does this connect to that first part <laughs> and i'm trying to like like understand what's going on huh you know huh
1: well sorry but that's I just me sorry you didn't like it
0: well i'm not saying i didn't like it i'm
1: just gonna say right now that all all of our listeners are gonna write in to say you're wrong okay but that's that's S- all right
0: sort of doubt that but sorry
1: no no it's gonna be a general condemnation, Mary. All right. Prepare for it, saying. Okay. Just get ready. Sure. Get ready for a pile mm-hmm. of stuff pulling, pouring right. down on your head. Yeah. Yep. My, uh, a rain, a rain of terror. Yes. Coming down on you. Oh, wait, on my head or your head? Your head.
0: Oh, okay. Sure, if you say so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Let's move on. All right. Let's move on. This is uh, another. I think another great song. Hmm. We're gonna we're gonna find out what Mary thinks about it. Mm-hmm. I'll guess. I'll guess when we're finished listening mm-hmm. to it. But this is a uh, caliphone with their song Frosted Tips from their album Stitches that came out in 2013. Mm. It's pretty recent to to the uh, sure era was. of this uh, of this uh, this mixtape. So let's give it a listen everyone. Here we go. This is Frosted Tips. Yes, Mary, we're back. We so um, are back. Mary. Yes. I'm gonna guess mm. the song mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up.
0: Yes, I like the song quite a bit.
1: Of course you did. It's a great song. It's a really good song. Whatever reason you had, some sort of mental breakdown in the last song. Well, I don't you know about that. You couldn't handle it. Okay. You can't handle it the seems truth. A rude, you can't handle the truth. Okay. And uh, what truth? The truth of that song. Which was just how great it is.
0: Okay. I know and... really truth works, but <laughs> it's all right. Continue. <laughs> are you telling
1: me that truth is not subjective? Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you that
0: music is not subjective,
1: and uh, no, music is subjective.
0: Oh no, sorry. I'm telling you that music is is not objective.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. There you go. I'm glad I I'm glad I could help you in your argument. Against yeah, yeah. Me.
0: No, that's I appreciate <laughs> that.
1: <Really
0: fair. laughs> I'm sick. It's not fair for you to be mean to me so I'm sick.
1: I'm not being mean to you.
0: I'm really sick now. How are we being mean to you? I'm really sick. Dad. How
1: am I really being mean to you, Mary? I
0: disagree with me. What? It's pretty mean.
1: <laughs> so every week you're mean to me then?
0: Uh, it's not how it works. Oh, sorry. Right? No, it's not how it works at all. <laughs> all <laughs>
1: See, right. that's
0: me having my own opinion, which is like a right.
1: Yeah, that's true. You have a right to but your own opinion. But then if
0: you have a different opinion than from me, yeah. then that's you being mean to me. <laughs> okay.
1: It's that's just like uh, basic logic. Dad. Sure. It's like yeah. you've
0: never been on the internet before.
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out still. <laughs> I still I still don't get it. Uh, so you like this song?
0: Yeah, it was really good.
1: What were your notes on this song?
0: Um, I liked it a lot. Yes. I really like the sound. Mm. I feel like it reminded me of like The Shins.
1: Yeah, okay.
2: And mm, of like Sloan. Wow.
0: Sort of. I felt like it had that kind of like 90s, early aught sort of pop okay. sound that uh-huh. I like quite yeah, a bit.
1: Yeah. Huh. Yet it's from 2013. And
0: yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah. That was going to be earlier. Yeah, yeah. But no, it doesn't change my enjoyment of it. It's a very good song. I like it a lot.
1: I re- well, What I like about it is it sounds kind of swampy. It is kind of like a real... Okay. It has this really kind of like...
0: Interesting. I don't think i noticed that.
1: Yeah. Well, it just feels like kind of like... Like the vocals and everything are very very kind of submerged sounding. Like they are Okay. Don't, it's just a really kind of like... It's like... I would say heavily compressed. Mm. Like everything's very much like squeezed in mm-hmm. sounding and just very much like... Right. I don't know. It's, yeah. I, really, I do. I like it as well. Mm. I, obviously, I like it a lot. I put it on a mixtape. Sure. So obviously, I, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's... It's interesting. They've done a. Lo- They've been together for a long time. This group, but but not that uh, above ground. They're more of an experimental rock group. But the main guy in the band, who actually started it as a solo project, Caliphoned, um this kind of started. It was just an idea that he would just do like kind of fun little, fun little, um, little kind of musical. Experiments. Okay. Under this name, sure. Telephone, which is actually a company that produces audio equipment. Okay. So I used their name for the band, and I guess it was supposed to imply that it was some sort of like audio experiment, audio project. Right. Sure. And but one of those sort of things where you start something with one idea, and then it takes a, takes on a life of its own, and suddenly yeah. you've got a whole band around you. Right. And now you're a folk experimental folk rock yeah. group or whatever, a folk band.
0: Oh, it's happened to all of us. I
1: well, what when doesn't it happen? Right. Yeah. You go to get in your car, mm-hmm. next thing you know, you're in a mariachi band. Yeah, no. It's- you don't yeah. Know, you don't know what happened. I've been
0: watching I've been watching a lot of um a lot of BoJack Horseman yeah, recently sure. since the quarantine because it ended uh, recently. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing the the completionist thing and watching it from beginning to end. Oh wow. Um and it reminds me of something that would happen to like Todd or Mr. Peanut Butter, where they sort of just like trip and fall into all these great opportunities. There you go. Where he like walks through a door and suddenly he's the star of a sitcom, <laughs> that kind of stuff.
1: Um Yeah, so so yeah, I guess he took a 4-year break and he came back after that and basically a bunch of the band members had left during this time period because I guess because it was nothing was happening so they went on to their projects. And then he recorded the album kind of on the road. Like he went through the southwest of the United States and recorded it in Arizona, Texas and then Southern California. And I kind of feel like that the album ha- the song has that kind of vibe to it as well. It does feel kind of southern to me. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it's a great song and it feels like a very timely song. Mm-hmm. uh the end of the end of the did you say this is the end of the
0: world as we know it no oh sorry i'm thinking of a different song
1: yeah it's um it's a joke <laughs> it's just the end is gonna... the end of the world as we know it and you feel fine mm-hmm. Are you thinking enough mm-hmm. yes r.e.m no it's uh he says oh i can't remember what he says now damn it well sorry everyone i don't know how to help you i'm gonna start okay let's pause for a second i'm just gonna try to think of it oh yeah he says uh we're watching the new world die. Oh yeah, and I do feel like that's a re- that's very timely at this particular moment yeah. in our history. not not just pre or not just during this uh, virus outbreak, but even pre this virus outbreak, it felt like we were watching the our new world die. This mm. world, what we created, uh, this very sort of like f- uh, free and fair world. Mm. Suddenly, people don't want that anymore. They want like a strict world of taking things back away from people and mm. and you know more control. You know. not so keen on right so i can see what he's thinking about in this song is what i'm saying and also frosted tips are dumb
0: Mm. yeah frosted tips are dumb
1: so there you go Mm -hmm. good song Mm -hmm. let's move on to the next song Mm -hmm. which is do you know what song it is um i
0: don't have my notes in front of me but you do so
1: oh i just thought you'd remember because you like the song a lot
0: well i don't i there's a you know not to spoil it but there's a few songs that i like at the end of this (laughs) okay
1: so So this is the dandy warhols Uh uh-huh from their album 13 tales of urban bohemia yes which is uh from the year 2000 Mm -hmm. and this is get off Mm -hmm. let's give it a listen everyone once again i'm gonna guess uh mary yes you hated the song
0: i you're wrong
1: <laughs> i know you i love this song. song it's I a very good song, song. Yeah. it's really fun you can't I hate this song i
0: had it on a playlist at some point yeah but i don't believe it was played and yeah. when i played those two playlists. No, no, it so it was yeah. either on a different playlist yeah or it got removed from one of those playlists for whatever reason. Yeah. Oh, one, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Happens sometimes, you sure know? Sure does, sure.
1: It's... It might not work, even though you like yeah. it a lot, it doesn't yeah, it fit.
0: Yeah, so it starts to not, it starts to, doesn't jive with the other songs, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, that can happen. Sort of, sometimes I find that if I have a song that I like too much on a playlist, I find that it takes away from the other songs. Yeah. It's hard to fit in a song like that. It's my problem with having Sofiane on um, playlists, as I've said before. Yeah,
1: If it's overwhelming for mm-hmm. you then it doesn't work. This song is like, it's like a perfect song. It's yeah. like so great. It's the singing such a good song. is great. Yep. The song is great. The yep. music, everything it's about it's great. It's very catchy. Uh, I just love the. I love to sing along with it. I love like the the, mm-hmm. the way the harmonies work in it. It's, yep. just, it's great.
0: I feel like every person I've played the song for has loved it.
1: But there's no other song like it by this band. Oh really? Like nothing else that they do has ever sounded like this. Hmm. Like the album "Tales of uh, Thir- Thirteen Tales of Urban Bohemia." I don't actually own it because mm. I don't like it. Right. My f- friend David M owns it, mm-hmm. and that's where I heard it. Mm. I knew get off before I heard that that album. Right, I heard it on an uncut compilation. Okay, yeah. And that's where how I still own it, and but I heard that album and I was so disappointed by that album.
2: Hmm.
1: Like none of the other songs sound any good. And there's one kind of song that sounds like a Iggy Pop song from the 1980s, which is okay. no recommendation. And <laughs> you like Iggy Pop? Don't? I do like some of his stuff, but I you know he's a fallible human like the rest of us, mm. and the 80s proved that.
0: Mm. Yes, as I, it did for many.
1: And <laughs> and I just yeah I just. It just doesn't like, and then your mom and I, because we like the song so much, Mm -hmm. we went and saw them live at a a smallish club here in in town. And once again, the show was nothing like this song. Yeah, like this song is a short,
0: Mm, fun, perfect
1: pop song. Mm -hmm. But all their music they played live, it was all like it was all like shoegazy, loud. Guitar. It was like this wall of noise, mm, yeah. Thing that had like no differentiation between any of the songs. It was just like one big soupy mix of 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 garbage, basically, right. to me. And like, right. I just I left feeling so disappointed by it. And I and you know what? Danny Warhol's will always have this song, mm-hmm. but we had to break up. Yeah, we had to break up. We had some good times. We had some good times. The song. song. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean. They're an interesting group. Like They're from Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And they're in Portland, Oregon when it was hip to be in Portland, Oregon. Mm. It's not hip anymore. It's not? No, because everyone knows about Portland. It's not hip to be in a place that everyone knows about.
0: I think it's still pretty hip there.
1: It is not hip, Mary. Now it is hipster. Oh. That's not hip. Oh. Right? Right. There's a difference between being hip and being hipster. Mm. Hipsters are fake. Phony blonies. Okay. You know, berry wearing people. Mm. Pipe smoking berry wearers
0: okay i don't know if i've seen many berets. <laughs> you're more thinking of like a french stereotype but that's but, okay that's fine But they also wearing striped shirts and holding baguettes <laughs> they are. by any chance yeah okay, i think you're getting your metaphor your stereotypes the, a little mixed the up here stare mary right yes
1: uh but they they were there when it was cool so i'm saying to you okay um this was their third album mm-hmm. they did this song this was their first single off the album mm-hmm. did nothing in the United States. Absolutely zero. Zilch.
0: Yeah. The single? Yeah. Huh. No one was interested. Unfortunate.
1: In England, it was pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think English people listening to this would know who were alive and aware in 2000. Right. Will be aware of this band and this yes. song. But American listeners, I think, unless they're like looking for it, they don't really, they wouldn't know this song. Hmm. Because this band, the album itself, I think was like 100, reached 182 in mm. on the American charts. Yeah, not. Not great. Whereas in England, it was like number 38. Oh, wow. So it's pretty good. Top yep, 40. Yep. Uh, and the big breakthrough th- through breakthrough not bake through that's a different thing entirely that's when you have a two-sided oven and you push a cake through it
0: uh, uh yeah and well, yeah well known the well-known thing well known, but yep. the
1: breakthrough was that their song from the album which was called bohemian like you mm. was used for a Vodafone ad in mm. in uh, england and, oh, okay and so that kind of was a big break for them yeah and put a lot of moolah on their pocket and that song also appeared in an episode of buffy the Vamp- vampire slayer as well oh,
0: okay i feel like there was a dandy warhol song in an episode of veronica mars
1: might have been but what's more interesting to me about this group is, concurrently with the release, recording and release of Thirteen Tales, the group appeared in was was being filmed for and would later appear in a documentary directed by Andy Timiner called Dig, and it's a really fascinating documentary about two bands: one band, the Dandy Warhols, and the other band, the jo- Brian Jonestown Massacre. Okay, and what's really fascinating about it is the dandy warhols
0: oh oh oh
2: yeah
1: sorry
0: um the theme song for veronica mars yeah is a dandy warhol song oh that's right uh from their 2002 2003 album welcome to the monkey house oh, okay which of course is a kurt Vonnegut reference yes and it's I a good song
1: i don't really like that song either don't like the veronica mars theme either
0: okay i like it but that might just be because i've heard it so many times because i've watched veronica mars
1: <laughs> yeah um so yeah, it's an interesting film because it follows these two bands. One is the Dandy Warhols, who are striving. They want to be successful. They want to be a big band, but they don't want to look like they want to be. A, they want to be successful. They don't want to look like they're quote unquote selling out, right? Yeah. So they're they're like cool, but not cool. You know what I mean?
2: Mm. Hmm.
1: They're like, how would you describe them? Like they're like, say that you're, you have some cool friends, mm. and they're like legitimately cool, Mary, not hipster cool. Mm-hmm and i
0: have some cool friends okay so
1: you have some cool friends yeah then there's a friend of yours who like he wants to be he wants to be cool like like the rest of your friends
0: yes me that's you're talking about me
1: but also uh-huh. he wants to be like a really successful businessman
0: oh no never mind you know what i mean yeah lot. Lo- but he wants of me, to also but, but he also yes. wants you to think that
1: he's cool yes but you know he's not cool right because no one could be cool who wants to like yeah s- you know
0: he's like um all the all how all those big companies now have like young people who do their tweets and okay. so their tweets are like their Twitter account is all like memes and stuff. But yeah, all the yeah. memes are like a few months old. Yeah. And so they're not like really relevant anymore because <laughs> like young people have moved on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and everyone knows that like those Twitter accounts are like, the twitter embodiment of that gif with steve buscemi where he's holding the skateboard and he says how do you do fellow kids
1: <laughs> there you go exactly he's that guy yeah, yeah okay sorry yeah but then the brian jones sound massacre were like the too cool for their own good band mm. where they were mm. so cool they're like heroin addicts yeah or like major like substance abusers yes and self-sabotagers mm-hmm. and you know, the whole idea of selling out to them is like so antithetical to their whole stance. Yes. They're, like, they're just like, they cannot, they cannot catch them, give themselves a break, mm-hmm. let alone catch a break. Even if they get a break, they destroy that break. Yes. They're like, I broke, I broke the break. Mm-hmm. I broke it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a pretty fascinating film, I got to say. And it kind of details like the love hate relationship between the two bands frontmen, the kind of bourgeois day tripper, Courtney Taylor Taylor of that Dandy Warhols. Yes. And then the self sabotaging Anton Newcomb hmm. who like you get to see like have like a, a drug addicted meltdown as he's trying to finish this album for a major label. Oh, which is like their big break. And yeah. he just like completely spoils it, becoming becoming like a monster. Yeah. And like alienating the whole band. It sounds very it, stressful. It's a pretty interesting film it though. Basically I highly sounds recommend it.
0: Like the movie Her Smell with Elizabeth Moss. Oh yeah, yeah. It's on Canopy.
1: Oh, it's also on uh, Crave now. Oh, is it on Crave? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well but I used it for one
0: of my one of my views okay. on Canopy. Okay. What what last? Two months ago? Hmm.
1: It's good. Yeah, it sounds interesting. You should watch it. I think it you'd like sounds it. Sounds interesting and yet painful.
0: Yes, it is. It's one of those movies where it's like it's not a horror movie, but you're like oof <laughs> like um It
1: is a horror movie. It's just like a emotional horror movie. Yeah.
0: It's like uh similar feels to um Mother.
1: Mm. Yeah, mother, yeah, it's very stressful.
0: Where you're like sitting there like with your head in your hands and you're like tearing your hair out.
1: Yeah, you're like, I get all the Bible references, but why is it so stressful?
0: Yeah. And then it... you like leave and you look it up and people are like, all those oh, super overt environmental messages. And you're like, oh, yeah, I definitely noticed those. Ooh, <laughs> I should see those. <laughs> okay. So obvious. I'm like, uh, I guess so.
1: Because <laughs> she's earth. Don't you get it?
0: I didn't. I uh-huh. more focused on the Bible references.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of those too. Yeah. That guy, Darren Aronofsky. Yep. Old, Old Testament references, I guess we uh Let's move on to your next song, dear. Mm. Yes, let's. This is our penultimate song. It is. And this is, once again, mm-hmm. it's a calm down. It's like a little bit of a, a palate cleanser. Yes. A little bit of a calm it down. Right. Calm it down. Uh-huh. After, we, that after that, Dan Lee After that, Dan Warhols and Califone mm-hmm. and. I guess you disagree with me, but all the songs that have been up to now, which I think are all pretty peppy, Mm -hmm. we need to bring it down a little bit. Mm. Let's cool our jets. Mm -hmm. And so here's the Lullaby Baxter trio. Yes. Some jazz cats giving us Mm dingling. from the album Capable Egg Mm -hmm. from 2000. Oh, same year as uh, Urban Bohemia. And by the way, this is also CanCon. This is the last bit of CanCon on this episode.
0: Wait, Lullaby Baxter trio is Canadian? Yeah. I didn't know that. Now you do. Now I do. All right.
1: Some Canadian, some not. Right. Let us... Give a listen to Dingling, everyone. I think you're going to like this song. Oh, wait,
0: I have a question. Are they at least 30% Canadian? <sighs> it's, a, it's a trio, so is one of three of them Canadian?
1: That's complicated. Let's talk about it when we come back.
0: Okay. It seems like, like a easy question. It's not or an easy question. Mary. Canadian, there are no but... easy
1: questions, Mary.
0: All right. Let's Let... hear the song.
1: You dingling.
3: I'm not dingling. Teacher calls me dingling. Policeman calls me dingling. Story cleaner calls me ding Butcher, baker, and undertaker All call me ding Tweaking moo-cow rumps With all their lovely lumps Is something that I do Infinitely Better than you Ding-a-ling. dandy, sometimes amnesia will sure come in handy. Ding a ling morning, ding a ling night. Just stay stupid, that's alright. Blue birds, the size of sugar cubes, circle around my True, I have to pay them Before I go to bed Why'd you bring the ding-a-ling? All she wants to do is sing her ding-a-ling songs All night long All night long Would you like a subscription? my diary Then when I merge with the infinite You can impersonate me Would you like a subscription to my diary then when I kick the bucket you can impersonate me dingling morning dingling night just stay stupid that's all
0: right dad I'm not a ding-a-ling. you're not dingling no okay the song, yeah, is Dingling by Lullaby Baxter. <laughs> yeah. Trio, but I'm not that. You are. <laughs> oh, is that You're right? Dingling. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks, dear. You're welcome. Um, yeah. What do you think of this song, Mary? I'm uh, pretty sure that you like this. Song. I like the song a lot. Yeah, it's a really good song. It is really good.
0: I, I think listening to it this time, yeah, I felt like I like the vocals more than I like the instrumentation. Oh, interesting. Like I feel like it's got kind of like beachy vibes Uh from the instrumentation. Uh That's what I got from it. Yeah, and um, I was like, that's okay. But I feel like the lyrics and the singing are still, and like that sound from that is still really good. Yeah. So. Oh, interesting.
1: I uh, I like the package, but okay. Mm -hmm. I like the really like the slide guitar in it. I think that's very Mm. pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I love I love the lyrics. Mm -hmm. They're They're not her. They're not her lyrics. Like, she didn't write them? She did not write the lyrics. That's all right. She wrote the music. And uh, But I just love the re- reference of death as merging with the infinite. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's always good. When I merge with the infinite, you can impersonate me. Mm-hmm. A little catty. I like the cattiness of the mm-hmm. lyrics as well. Uh, her real name, Lullaby Baxter,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is Angelina Teresa Ia Paolo. Okay. But she, so, wait,
0: Lullaby is not her real first name? Not her real name?
1: first name. Huh. No, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Took her stage name, took her stage surname from Jack Lemmon's character in The Apartment. That's her second reference to The Apartment in this episode. Oh,
0: it is. Hmm. Weird.
1: Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Somehow that happens. Uh, so she wrote the songs, and someone named Lutwick, Sedgwick, once again, not his real name, okay. wrote, provided the lyrics. Hmm. And the album, which was released by Atlantic, is really f- curious to me, because it it really is like emblematic of this time period, 2000, when record companies were like living high in the hog with CD sales. Mm-hmm. Like, it was all going to fall apart soon, but they didn't know it at the time. Right. But they were living high in the hog. So they took this woman from Toronto mm-hmm. and put her together with a group from San Francisco, recorded the album in San Francisco, New York, and Montreal. Mm-hmm. And what did they expect? Sales were going to be on an album like this. Yeah. A bunch of cartoonish songs mm-hmm. about carnivals. Yeah. And strange characters. It's
0: called Capable Egg.
1: It's called Capable Egg. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. a, it's got a song on there called Morty Mort. Mort, Mort no, Morty Morton, Mort Cal, uh, Showstopper Calhoun. Like just, it's just a weird thing. It's just like yeah. a, a lot of cartoonishness. And, and so, yeah, so I just think it's weird they could receive so much support, but it did. And it features backing from a group called the Orange, A, A-O-R-A, sorry, A-O-R-A-N-J Symphonette. The okay. Orange Symphonette. Orange. Which, which is, by the way, not a trio. Okay. It featured Joe Gore uh-huh. on guitar. Uh-huh. Mirror. Yes. Should be wiping her eyes.
0: I was just scratching.
1: <laughs> uh, Rob Berger on pump organ. Mm-hmm. Ralph Corney, clarinet and triangle. Mm-hmm. Matt Brubeck, son of the jazz great Dave Brubeck, mm. playing electric bass mm-hmm. on this song. He also played cello and uh, stand up bass. And then Pat Campbell on drums and percussion. And then nom- Wait, non- Pete
0: Campbell from Mad Men. Pat, oh, Pat Campbell.
1: Uh, non symphoneteer David Phillips on pedal steel. Okay, and the Orange Infinite were formed in in San Francisco in part, I think, due to the sudden '90s sudden affection for lounge music and exotica Mm -hmm. at that time period, like very popular Mm -hmm. in in those days. Uh, But they're all a lot of
0: people buying Herb Alpert's Tijuana. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this
1: my generation aged up into that generation who people who listened to their parents' friends' record collections Uh and you know took that and sort of like searching out this kind of stuff and it Mm. became very popular. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but these guys all played with Tom Waits. So they're all like players with guys who play with Tom Waits. Mm. And then um, decided to kind of put together like a couple albums of this very eccentric takes on first Henry Mancini. Okay. So the first album is The Orange Symphonette Plays Henry Mancini. And then the se- second album is just called The Orange Album. And it's basically them just doing like a bunch of different versions of theme songs from movies and, and popular songs of the time period. Yeah, so I'm just gonna play uh, one little quick version of their of their theme from Woody Allen's Bananas, okay. written by Marvin Hamlish. Okay. Most famous for writing the uh, song "The Sting," the entertainer from "The Sting," mm. which you've heard if you ever heard an ice cream truck go through our area, because it goes do 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 do, which as when I was growing up was always played on every ice cream truck driving through every neighborhood. Mm. It's Maybe, still. It's still, still played, still man, played I yeah. think yeah. yeah I think you're right
0: I don't, I don't know if that's is that a regional thing or is that everywhere
1: I don't know I feel it's maybe regional or maybe national hmm. but not necessarily international hmm. are there even ice cream maybe trucks continental that, the popsicle man or whatever coming around hmm. but yeah so let's listen to this little little bit of banana it's a very short it's a it's but the theme from bananas Woody Allen, great woody Allen film uh played by the orange infinite okay so here we go That's short. It was 40 seconds long. So I don't think that was very painful. If you didn't like it, it's over with.
0: (laughs) So wait, do you think... I mean, I've never really thought about this before. Yeah. But I guess not everywhere has a truck that drives around and sells ice cream.
1: No, no.
0: So not everywhere has a a truck that is stocked with freezers and they drive around and play a song. Yeah. And then kids hear the song and beg their parents for money. Yeah. And they go out and get ice cream from the ice cream truck.
1: But I think that they... I think that they're... In the state, I think they're in the States, because mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about the movie Freaks that just came out, although that was filmed here, but he uses a, like an ice cream man or popsicle right. man or whatever. But I mean,
0: even, I mean, I feel like that's something, I feel like I've seen an ice cream truck in media.
1: Yeah, there's that great sequence in the um, John Carpenter film Assault on Precinct 13 mm-hmm. that involves the ice cream truck at the beginning of the film mm. where the, the driver uh, has to escape to the, uh, to the precinct. He's like the first person that arrives there that highlights that something weird is going on right so yeah okay yeah why does that does that surprise you that it's what no it's just,
0: it's just something i've never thought of oh
1: okay because it's just been so ubiquitous for for us yeah it's a big part of your childhood yeah they're, they're driving around here at the other other week oh were they yeah
0: well that's nice yeah. i don't think i've heard them in our neighborhood yet
1: yeah it's always nice to hear that yeah that little song playing
0: Hmm. i wonder i'm sure that they come out to my neighborhood. We're kind of out of the way, but it's also like all families with kids. Yeah,
1: you think it's out of the way, but it's pretty pretty good area. Pretty lucrative. Pretty lucrative. To it's the like one of there. those,
0: it's like out of the way, but it's also like a d- pretty packed in development. Yeah. So it's like you can sort of hit the whole area at once, right?
1: It seems it seems weirder that, that before that, like ice cream trucks are normal now, but at one time people rode a bicycle with a with like a freezer, like a ice box on the front of it. Mm, with, yes. With those things.
0: They did that in the TV show, Haters Back Off was a Netflix TV show, oh, which was filmed here, yeah, at my partially filmed. They filmed part of an episode at my high school, actually. Okay. Um, huh. because it was sort of like a, it was like a flashback, and it was sort of like a dream sequence, sort okay. of, or like a very um, uh, had it used a lot of bright colors and stuff. Cool. And one wing of my high school, which was called the New Wing, yeah, had been built like 20 years before I started attending school. It's still called the New Wing, I'm sure it still is, and it's <laughs> it was entirely teal. Yeah. Oh. the all the lockers yeah all the lockers were teal uh. the floors the ceilings the walls all the doors everything was teal wow in the whole hallway it was a very it was very strange to walk into yeah because the rest of the school the walls were beige yeah the lockers um alternated sort of a dusky orange yeah and cream and brown yeah and then you go into this like place that's just entirely teal.
1: Yeah, weird. So, yeah. It's like you're going underwater. Yes. Maybe that was the intended effect.
0: I never had a locker in there though.
1: Well, could you choose your lockers at your school? Nope, they were assigned. They were assigned, yeah.
0: Yeah, but the other thing was in the new wing, you got ha- there were half lockers. Ugh. But you got two half lockers.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of handy.
0: I didn't like the idea of that. Oh,
1: no, you have to have two combination locks in. Yeah. Blah. Yeah. I take that back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say blah.
0: Yeah, but I had a friend who had lockers in the new wing two two different years, hmm. grade 8 and grade 12.
1: Okay, yep. well, beginning and the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The omega, the alpha to the omega.
0: Yep, I guess so. What do you say, I guess so? Well, I mean, yeah, like I suppose that's, yeah, yep. What do you mean? What, I mean, like, I don't know, yes. What are you trying to say, Mary? Nothing, it's just like a that weird. Seems a really weird thing to say. Well, yeah, your thing was weird. No, no, yours was weird. Okay.
1: Because mine was a common expression. Mm. All right. I don't know. I don't know if it's common,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Making things up as you go
1: along. That's what I do.
0: All right. So. It's worked so far for me. Sure has. Mary? Yes.
1: I thought it'd be fun mm.
0: to end this not with a bang,
1: but with the Beatles. <laughs>
0: with the Beatles.
1: And also mm. I have another trio play. This oh, yeah. time it's a real trio, not a fake. Right. Not a, a 2000, 2000s ironic trio. Yeah. This is a real trio. Right. And I just adjust dust my microphone for a second here. I feel like it's not working for me. There we mm-hmm. go. Uh, this is the Overton Berry Trio. Okay. From their album, the Overton Berry Trio at Seattle's Doubletree Inn mm-hmm. that came out in 1970. And here is their interpretation mm-hmm. of Hey Jude.
0: And this is an instrumental.
1: This is an instrumental version, everyone. Some might even call it jazz. But if you say it, you have to say it like that. I jazz. refuse. You refuse to say it? Like that. Say it like that. Jazz. No, no.
0: Nope. Not gonna. I refuse. Jazz.
1: Nope. so here we go
0: let's hear the song
1: hey dude Hi Mary. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show.
0: From where? From the song?
1: Yeah, welcome back to the show. Cause I you left the room. I did not. You went outside? Nope. I heard you out there. You Didn't did some happen. some of your primal scream therapy. Mm, just no. as a bit of a break, because mm, that's where I drive you that's to. It's not and now accurate. time you came back in and now welcome back.
0: Thanks. So I'm all screamed out. My voice is all, <laughs> all raw. Yes, you can raw. hear.
1: Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh Mayor. Yes. Thoughts on the Overton Berry Trio?
0: I first discovered the song in grade nine okay when um in my math class yeah i would um listen to music yes do all my homework really fast yeah like before class was over okay and then um because i was done all my homework i could read my book oh so okay. i listen to music and read my book yeah and i had an ipod that was the first year i got an ipod i got an ipod for my birthday yeah. grade nine i believe it was like a not a touch, it was a shuffle. No, not a shuffle. A nano. Nano, okay. One of like the big chunky ones. Yeah. Big chunky boy. Yeah. With the big wheel. Go like click 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 click. Very and it was a very appealing click. Yeah. It had like three games on it. Okay. Um and I like took a bunch of songs, I guess, from your iTunes. Okay. And just like dumped them on my my iPod. Yeah. And went through them and I discovered the song and I really liked it. Yeah. And I remember listening to it in my math class while I was <laughs> doing my math, and yeah. it worked very well for that because it's an instrumental, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't have any lyrics. Mm. Um, and I still like the song. That's great. Yeah,
1: it's a fun song. It's it a is. fun version of the song. It's very, it's a jazz version, but it's it's kind of more in the in the realm of uh, how to describe it. Like there's a certain kind of jazz that happened in the '60s, and I'm thinking of of uh, Roland Kirk as well. And my gosh, I'm gonna have to play Roland Kirk. I played a lot of stuff in this show today. Oh and I apologize, but I don't think I got voluntary. I wish to that we were still
0: doing um, our documentary formats, so that I could do a talking head right now.
1: <laughs> if you want, if you want to do talking head, no, I no can it's fine. it doesn't work for the format. Okay, because no,
0: we're no longer doing a documentary. Okay, well, you can
1: just say it out loud then.
0: I think that you're playing too many songs. Do you? No, I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> the show about music. Although, to so, be fair, yeah. I
0: don't listen to the episodes. Yeah. So, well, who knows?
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe people will write in and say too many songs. I felt like. I don't know. I know that the shows are have a lot of yakking in them, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's like we're overwhelming the music with the yakking because
0: mm-hmm. we so just like talking. Thought,
1: with, we like talking with each other so much. Your that... thought
0: was not to decrease the talking, but to add the number of songs. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't. Okay. Because
1: <laughs> I tried to control the talking, but Dude, we just yack even more. How? I put. I have less. Way less notes. Do you? Yes. You I used to have like six
0: pages. I know, but I
1: used to have thirteen pages.
0: Okay, that is much better. You did just do a, You did do a documentary on Kurt Betcher. I though. know,
1: but that was very short, Mary, okay. compared to like some of the massive epics we've done in no, the that's past. True, so that's true. I'm trying to like cal- calm it down on the on the yeah, notes a bit. Yeah, you're trying to call
0: the notes. I try,
1: I really am. I'm like doing way less like band beginnings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just trying to like mm-hmm. concentrate on what the period we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't really go in. Did I mention that Zia McCabe, the keyboardist in the Dandy Warhols, is mm-hmm. also a realtor? No, I didn't. I left out that little tidbit.
0: Like a part-time realtor or like a full-time realtor and then... A part-time just... realtor,
1: part-time band, ba- musician. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did I mention that? No, I didn't. I left out that little tidbit.
0: I mean, it's kind of interesting. It right? is
1: kind of interesting, but I just thought, is it important? No, we have other things to talk about. We went on a different trip. We went on a different journey mm. in our in our Danny Wells discussion. Uh-huh. And so I left it out, Mary. Yes. I'm trying to call my notes. Right. I'm trying to keep it calm. Yes. I'm trying to keep it called, uh-huh. is what I'm trying to say. Yes. But still, we have to play Rasan Roland-Kirks Okay. Volunteered Slavery, sure. because it also is a kind of a 60s jazz that isn't jazz anymore. It's like a, a weird amalgam of jazz and pop music. Not, not fusion. Don't go there. This isn't Miles Davis doing on the corner. No, this is like a mix of pop music and jazz in a very knowing way, bringing the two together. And it's really fascinating And so I'm going to play that music for you out there, you listeners, you lovely people. And you will hear it and you will go like, oh, that's really interesting, Dave. But we'll play that in a second because let's talk a little bit more about the Overton Berry Trio before we get to Rosson, even though Rosson Roland Kirk is so great, Mary. You like Rosson Roland Kirk, right? Of course you do.
0: I don't know Rosson Roland Kirk, but...
1: No, I never force jazz on you guys because I'm a kind parent.
0: It's true. I get enough jazz now Now... at Duncan's parents' house. (laughs) That's all they play.
1: But is it really jazz?
0: It's CBC.
1: Yeah. Yeah, some of it's okay, but a lot of it's very they, We're
0: actually playing. You know yeah. what they were playing the other day? Yeah, what? You know what they were playing the other day, Dad? Yeah, what were they playing there? Hey Jude by the Overton Barry Trio.
1: Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm glad that's making its way out from the underground, because I never heard this song until Mojo put out a compilation that was called...
0: Jazz played on CBC.
1: It was called Beatlemania. Oh, yeah. Volume 1 and Volume 2. Yep. Now, both of these CDs came out on this... That
0: the c- is the cover that I had on my iPod, or not, well... Whichever one? The blue one. I think it's the blue one, the over, yeah. yeah,
1: it's the Overton That's on this the
0: one. cover that I had on my iPod for this song.
1: Now, the crazy thing about this, Mary,
0: mm.
1: was that this CD was given away. I have to take off my glasses to read this. With the September 2004 issue of Mojo, mm-hmm. both of them were given on the September 2004 mm. issue. Wow. So, depending what magazine you bought, oh. you either got the blue one. Or you got the red one.
0: Right, so you had to buy both. But if
1: you were me, then you had to go and buy both of, course. Both of them. So Can you had I to buy see? two issues of, of Mojo magazine to get to get it. Hey, I had to do that a few times.
0: Dad, that's how they get you.
1: That's how they get you. I had to do that three times with an uncut issue to get uh, all the REM mix, all the REM uh, compilations.
0: Oh, the free design? Yep. Dillard and Clark and the Dillards. Is it the same? Is it the same Dillard?
1: Dillard and Clark and also the Dillards are the same mix? That's a little bit repetitive. But yeah, it's the same Dillards. Mm, okay. Well, the one Dillard. Doug Dillard.
0: Oh, the Cry and Shames. Yeah, we played them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good mix, by the mm. way. I was super happy to get those when I when I found them. The version uh, by of Revolution by Nina Simone on that blue the blue the volume two one is just fantastic. It's such a it's such a but it's such a brave cover that is not even the same song. Mm. It's more of a comment on the Beatles song. Right. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff on there. Some some okay, but lots the red of good one stuff. seems better. Um, let me see the blue one.
0: Well, just because the red one has. Free design, Dillard and Clark. Yeah. Um, Booker T and the MGs, the mm. Dillards. Yeah. Crying Shames, uh, Isaac Hayes, and the Bar Kays. That's really good, yeah. And then this one has Harry Nielsen. It's good. Wilson Pickett.
1: Great. Hey, Jude.
0: Nina Simone.
1: Yeah, fantastic.
0: The Overton Berry Trio. I don't know. I don't really know many people on the volume also, two. But also,
1: uh Cheap Trick.
0: Oh, yeah, it's Cheap Trick. Yeah. The Four Tops. I don't know. Four Tops kind of is movie.
1: great. Come on. M- Motown. Classic. Okay. You like. Uh, you like um, what's this, uh, Seven rooms of gloom. Oh, we do like seven rooms. of Gloom. So you like the four oh, tops? yeah,
0: right. You're right.
1: You like the four tops, dear? The Marquise. Just another version of the the, the
0: I think it's the marques, actually. It's
1: keys. Oh, is it? Because like a marquee, like outside a theater.
0: Yeah. Well, I figured that that was the the pun, but isn't it K A Y S?
1: K E Y S. Yeah. Oh, it is K E Y S. Okay. Yeah. It's got Steve. Crof, th- got Steve Cropper from the uh, from Booker T. The MGS. Hmm. Yeah, it's got some good stuff on here. Right? Okay. Good stuff.
0: I'm just saying the red one seems better.
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit, but uh, Vince Graldo Vince or Graldi I should say. You know, oh, Linus and Lucy. Yep, fame. yep. i doing I'm a Loser, which is good. Yeah, so you know, it's it's great. And I was I was really happy to get those. So this, this song was on there, and I just was like, that is fantastic. And now Overton Berry was a Seat- Seattleite.
0: Hmm.
1: He's lived in Seattle, it's, or in Washington State his whole life.
0: This has been a very West Coast episode, It huh?
1: has been very West Coast-ish. Uh, yeah, so the Doubletree Inn... Is not actually based in Seattle, despite what the uh, title says. It's based in Tukwila.
0: Oh, okay. Which it was is based in Tukwila. Yeah, it's
1: outside of Seattle. Okay. But it's close it's close to Seattle. But, but I mean, the other thing as...
0: is, if you're going to say...
1: Yeah, no one's going to know This place, this place
0: in this place. Yeah, like, yeah. Come on, you're going to say Seattle. Like yeah. when someone, if you talk to someone who doesn't live in British Columbia, and yeah. they say, where do you live? You say Vancouver.
1: I don't usually say that, but yeah.
0: You don't say Aldergrove. I do. You say Aldergrove? Yeah. What do they say? They say where? Yeah. You just say Vancouver. That's what I want. Okay. Or you say like outside Vancouver.
1: Yeah, that's good too, I guess. I guess I should say that.
0: I say Chilliwack. They say, oh, like the band. I say, how do you know the band Chilliwack?
1: <laughs> really? People say that? Like the band? No, I didn't say okay.
0: that. Okay. <laughs> um, and at that record store, I did find a couple albums by Chilliwack.
1: Oh, yeah? Which one? Mm-hmm. Describe the cover. Probably one of the more recent ones. Was the one with a mask on it?
0: I can't remember. An Indian mask? Um, that's Chilliwack. Indian or, or indigenous? Uh, I, guess, I guess I
1: should say indigenous. Yeah. Mary, thank you for correcting me.
0: Inaccurate to say Indian. You know what? <laughs> I want to talk about something that bothered me the other day. Oh, okay, sure. I was um, so at work. We have um, Mac computers. Yeah, and mine is set up so that it has like words of the day that are on like the screw like the screen when it's um when it's like.
1: A screensaver.
0: Yeah, as like a screensaver, so if you're not there for a while... You don't actually need screensavers
1: on modern computers, but yeah, whatever.
0: But yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, something that goes off and does that thing. And one of the words of the day was Indian. Okay. And I was like, okay. And it was like, first definition was... Indigenous people from the Americas. Second definition, someone from the Indian subcontinent. I was like, why? Why is the second definition someone from the Indian subcontinent? Like, that's a crazy definition to have the first one be like, someone from the Americas. Second definition, someone from India. What? Why is that your second definition? Why is your second definition the accurate one? And your first definition is someone not from this place. Second definition, from the place. First definition, from the other side of the world. Like, it makes no sense at all. I was very frustrated by it.
1: <laughs> that's great. Did you rant and rave to people at the uh, facility? No, they don't care. I going to say... I ranted
0: and raved about it to Duncan, though.
1: And he didn't care either?
0: No, no. He was like, that's weird.
1: It's kind of strange. So the Overton-Berry trio, just to finish up, Mare. Oh, yeah. It's Overton-Berry on piano, Chuck Metcalf on bass, and Bill Kotick on drums. And here's the thing. On the same album, they mm-hmm. cover... The Beatles and I Love Her. Okay. And also The Beatles Here, There and Everywhere. Hmm. So but I've never heard that is, album.
0: Overton Barry is a uh, Beatles fan.
1: Yes, he was very much a Beatles fan. Or at least he, he knew how to track the crowds. Because you could hear when you listen to the CD, you can hear people like pl- clinking and clunking of glasses and, and plates and stuff like that and people talking. It was very apparently a very popular night spot in the days when they played there because the band was so popular. They attracted a big crowd. So it'd be like lined up outside. Uh and there so you go.
0: So this one. Chilliwack oh, self-titled, yeah. second 2nd second self- self-titled
1: album. Yeah, that's one that has uh, Lonesome Mary on it.
0: Oh, then no, it wasn't this one. Never mind, because I looked, because I looked for that song.
1: Oh, okay, maybe I'm wrong there. And maybe Lonesome Mary's on the one with the indigenous mask.
0: Oh, no, no, you're right. It does have, okay, well then...
1: Mary, you missed it.
0: No, 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 I didn't, because I looked at the track listing. Okay. I, I must just, it must be that I recognize that. If you want to borrow,
1: I have the record. If you can borrow it, over. if
0: you want. No, no, it's fine. You can
1: borrow it. Okay, everyone. So we're going to, Well, Mary looks at her phone... And Stares at Chilliwack Albums, I'm going to play you Rasan Roland Kirk from his album Volunteered Slavery. This is a song, Volunteered Slavery. It's a very good song. It's a jazz song. I hope you like jazz. But if you don't like jazz, it's very much like a a, a very um, easy jazz to to, to to enter. It's like a, it's like, what do you call that thing? When you like have something that makes it like entry a, level entry level jazz. Yes, exactly, Mary. So here we go. And I just want to say one thing about Rassan Roland Kirk. If people don't know, he was blind he would play three saxophones at the same time, so he had two instruments. One he called the manzello, and the one he called the stretch, and they were designed so that he could play a drone on them and do some do some like kind of like very simple keying on them. And then he also played the saxophone, and that was where he would do the majority of his of his playing. He also played the flute, and he was the one who developed that incredibly percussive, like almost spitting into the flute sound that that um, Ian Anderson borrowed for jethro tall he also played the nose flute he would uh, add whistle sounds he was just like this incredible artist just an amazing amazing uh entertainer and just a fantastic player so if you've never heard ross on roland kirk here's your chance and i think if you've never heard him before you're really going to enjoy this this is volunteered slavery here we go everyone And yes, that song did end with with uh, with um, Hey Jude. That's why I played it. <laughs> so yes, there we go. So that was Russell and Roland Kirk. I'm sure everyone enjoyed that. Okay, mayor
0: Okay, I think I figured it out. Okay, sure. So they had the Collectors' Grass and Wild Strawberries. Got it. Which, if they had had the Collectors, yeah, I probably would have gotten it. Sure. Because it has Lydia Purple. Yeah. Which is a great song. Yeah. And um.
1: That's it. it doesn't have looking. For, it doesn't have the uh, looking for a baby. That was just a single only song. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. I know it's weird, isn't it?
0: It was weird, but doesn't it also have? It has um. Oh, She Will of the Wind. I like. She,
1: yeah, She Will of the Wind. I guess. So and I then I
0: think say. I'm pretty sure that the other one was. But it also has
1: a sidelong suite, the What Love Suite, or whatever it's called. Oh which is yeah. Blech, yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I shouldn't say it's black. It's just I'm not a huge fan of sidelong suites. Yeah. I'd rather have like seven more songs. Right,
0: but I mean, the other thing, the nice thing about a record too, is you could just not flip it over. That's true. Um, and then I'm pretty sure that the other ones were Riding High and Wanna Be a Star.
1: Riding High, I have. Hmm. I don't think I have "Want to Be a Star." I'd have to okay. look and see.
0: that one has one of their
1: "Gone, Gone, Just Gone." My Ben-gon yeah, song. my girl. Oh, that song's I don't. That's why I don't have it because I don't like that song. <laughs> okay. And that was when I when I played in my youth. Mm. I just did not like it very much. Yep. But it's very popular with some people.
0: Mm-hmm. My girl. Yeah, because I looked and I was like, if if any of these, because I looked through the track listings yeah. on the back, and I said, if any of these have "Lonesome Mary," I'll buy it.
1: Oh, and you missed it. Uh,
0: no, because they didn't. Oh, it didn't have. No, it, it didn't have.
1: Okay. Yeah. I thought you said, oh, that one did have. No, on. no, no, no. Cause I, okay. I
0: must have been wrong about it because I was thinking, I was like, oh, well, I've seen this album cover before. So it must have been that one that I saw there. Yeah, yeah. But it's because that album cover is on my phone. Oh. Okay. So when I play that song, it comes up on my phone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, the one with the indigenous mask?
0: No, the other one. Other The one. other self titled collectors with mm. the three or four yeah, of yeah. them with the blue background. Yeah, yeah. That one.
1: Yeah, the one you want to get is uh, Lights in the Valley. Oh, okay. That's the one that has. Uh, f- uh, Whatever the one is, uh, you know, three men in a rock and roll band, Fly, mm. at, fly at Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yep. a good song. Anyway. Okay, folks. Enough talking about the band Chilliwack. Enough, <laughs> that, that will come up in our, <laughs> that song, Fly at Night, will oh. come up in our, in our, uh, our mixtapes. Nice. So, but no look other, forward to that. But no
0: other Chilliwack songs,
1: huh? I don't remember. I'm just saying, no. I do that. I do know that one. Is, okay. Because uh, it was a very scratchy, scratchy version, which I have, I have upgraded since mm. then. But the person who got it got a... Very nice song. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed the the warm sounds of analog. (laughs) So everyone, I'm going to turn over the microphone to my darling daughter Mary. Who me? Yes, darling. Oh. And you are going to tell Mm. everyone out there Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. they can Mm -hmm. avoid getting the flu. No, okay. How they can contact us.
0: Well, I don't think they should. Social distancing and all. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you (laughs) can't get much more socially distant than us. Um, If you would like to reach out, and we love that, you can. send us an email at sneaky d at sneakydragon.com That's or nice. swing by sneaky and check out um
1: oh shoot Mayor! what break stop time out time out i forgot i mentioned that Mike Davidson was not happy about one thing about yes. mixtapes and the one thing he wasn't happy about was my underrepresentation of women mm. in my mixtape compilation which okay. i was always conscious of Let me see. i was always conscious of trying to keep a mix of of you know the ladies, and the gentlemen. Mm -hmm. But you're always going to have more men.
0: Because there's more men musicians. There's more
1: male musicians Mm -hmm. because it's been a very much... Male dominated. It's been a sausage party for a long time. sure has. There's a brief moments, whether in the early 60s when you had girl groups Mm -hmm. or in the post-punk era when you had this short-term freeing of space for women to Mm -hmm. perform.
0: Or more recently. Or more
1: recently in the Riot Girl period. Just things Mm -hmm. like that have all been very short-term periods where women had a voice and nowadays yeah i feel mm-hmm. like it's opened up really yeah especially
0: i feel like especially uh well if, if you're talking sort of more like independent music not like yeah, top yeah. 40 stuff but once again um, yeah like
1: hip-hop and rap was a real sasha's party too mm-hmm. so it's oh, hard yeah. to find
0: no and um same with like a lot of sort of um like techno sounds yeah right like djs and stuff are generally men but i feel like there's a lot of space for women and sort of folk sounds right now yeah it seems to be where there's a lot of women a high female presence folk folk rock folk pop sound so father you were going to say
1: so i was just going to say um yeah mike sent me this um, a mixtape uh called the mike super cool women mixtape for david uh and then he wrote down that it was done on december the 5th 2016 Mm -hmm. but on on this mix he had the band um la tigre Mm -hmm. which is kathleen speaking of riot girls kathleen Hanna's band Mm. after she was in uh was it Bikini Kill was her band? I think Bikini Kill. Then she started a band called La Tigra, which was like more of a pop group. Mm-hmm. And this song has... And you me sent me the song Hot Topic, which I'd never heard before and I really loved. Cool. So I went out and bought some... Uh, La Tigra. La Tigra. Unfortunately, one was a really electronic album, which I didn't like very much. But their first album is really good. Um has Cuban Slide by The Pretenders. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I love The Pretenders, but I feel like... They're too popular. They're too pop- everyone
0: knows Back on the Chain Gang.
1: Yeah. Everyone knows The, the Pretenders. It had Pink Martini, who are kind of like a, a lounge okay. group kind of style, doing That's Anna. True. It had uh, Janelle Monet. Okay, yes. Doing Dance or Die, which is not my favorite Janelle Monet song, but it was pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, Nobody Really Cares If You Can't Go to the Party. If you Sorry, If You Go to the Party by Courtney Barnett.
0: Oh, I love Courtney Barnett.
1: I do like Courtney Barnett a, l- a lot, but this song was too rockin' for me. Mm. There's one kind of female vocal style I do not enjoy, and that is shouty mm. rock vocal female vocals i don't right. don't like that and so this song is a little I don't like, like
0: that in anyone
1: yeah i don't like any so, kind of shouty rock vocals thing yeah. yeah i don't mind if it's guys i don't mind it too much if it's guys it's it, it can be worrying though like it's not something that i like seek out yeah but uh i just find i just find like it just doesn't i don't know it's something about it that doesn't do it for me like mm-hmm. if you're gonna if women sing like a, with a really like strong like rocking background i prefer if they their vocals are more subdued it's mm-hmm. kind of a contrast to right. to, this, to the sound of the guitars and stuff um, well, who else is on here? Uh, Kiss, Kiss, Chase by Lush, which is very good, kind of a shoegaze band. Mm-hmm. That was good. Massive Attack. Now this is where I kind of, kind of went. Hey, wait a minute, because I do have female singers on on this. Mm-hmm. On the you know, there's obviously by Baxter, mm-hmm. but also the Breakaways singing with with Burt backrack mm-hmm. And if your argument is well, they're just singing with a guy, but that's mm-hmm. Massive Attack as well. It's right. a w- woman, female singer, singing with the guys who are mm-hmm. doing the the backing tracks for her. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to look through it here. It has Petula Clark. We, oh, yeah. We talked about Petula Clark. Yes. Oh, I love her. At had Downtown, which is like a great song. Mm-hmm. Mavis uh, Mavis Staples, who I love a lot, especially mm-hmm. with her stuff with the Staples Singers. I uh, had Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, which I'm so, so on, on them. Uh had The Bangles, who I love, mm-hmm. as you know. But once again, The yeah. Bangles, I don't know. Like, like I think Going Down to Liverpool by The Bangles, which is not their song. It's a song by Kimberly Rue. But I really think if you're going to do like a yeah. compilation of best songs of the 80s, that song should be on there. And then... uh luscious jackson you i thought were okay and then uh racehorse by wild flag which, which once again i thought was okay so there were some okay songs in here some really good songs but i really want to thank mike for introducing me to la tigra who a band i missed i missed out on just because i wasn't into the wild the riot girl scene just because riot girl was really more about taking back rock music from guys and so it was a lot of like rock stance with women singing and this wasn't really my bag hmm. so i kind of like didn't pay much attention to it outside right. of hearing it and thinking it was you know interesting but that's as far as i went mm-hmm so I kind of missed like people's uh, projects after. Actually, uh, Kathleen Hanna is married to um, Adam Horowitz from the uh, Beastie Boys. Oh, cool. Yeah, to uh, Ad Rock. So, so there we go. So sorry, Mary, I interrupted you. Hmm. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that uh, kind gift from. Yes. Another kind gift from Mike Davidson uh, before you ended the show entirely. Oh yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, and there's a Nico case.
1: Oh yeah, Nico case is on there. That's right. I do like Nico case. I missed that when I was glancing yes, through it.
0: From. Uh, who we know from the New Pornographers. Yes.
1: We decided had a, a song on... Side one. On side one. And Niko's fairly... Uh, not. She's just singing with Dan um, Behar, obviously, but I think mm-hmm. prominently featured in that song. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Um, so anyway, you can also um, come and comment on sneakydragon.com on each episode. There's a comment section. A comment there. You can do that. Um are falling apart, Mayor. I'm sick. Uh, <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Sneaky underscore dragon. That's true. Facebook, Sneaky Dragon. Yeah, that's it.
1: That's it. If you want to write us a letter via snail mail, mm, you're free to do so. The
0: address is on SneakyDragon.com. To contact us,
1: that's right. If you go to the contact us page, you'll find our, our snail mail address there. Mm-hmm. If you want to support the show via your pocketbook, you can go to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Sneaky Dragon is our site there. I'm gonna. I'm thinking about doing some more work on that, making it a little bit more attractive as a thing to give us money for. Mm. And i'm gonna think about ways to create tiers and stuff like that mm-hmm. but um i just don't have a lot of time for these things because mm-hmm. i do three podcasts so i have to marshal marshal my time and you have a full-time job and i have a full-time job a nine hour a day job Yes. so it takes its time mm-hmm. but soon i may not have that job so i might have some free time what very you, soon what well the way things are going right now oh economy great. wise it may not be worth their time to have us there that's so. fair
0: people aren't buying things
1: people aren't buying things yeah so people aren't selling things
0: yeah. So yeah. No the uh the theater in Chilliwack has shut down for a little bit too.
1: I know. I'm so scared for them. I know. I'm going to I'm going to go in line and buy some uh gift cards or gift mm. coupons.
0: Yes. Yeah, I've heard that as like a way to support local businesses. Yeah. Just yeah. Just to buy coupons and stuff. But, and then um a lot of restaurants are still offering takeout.
1: Yes, a lot well. of restaurants, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good thing, but yeah, it's it's hard for places that rely on crowds to come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh we had gone Last weekend, uh, you remember when I had gone with Nina Matsumoto to a to a movie at the Rio. Mm. And when it was over, the the cleaning staff came in. Or the staff came in and they were starting to clean. And mm-hmm. they they said the guy was behind us. He said, "Thanks for coming. We really appreciate you coming." Mm-hmm. He says, "But I think we're going to be shutting down in the next next week because yeah. they're just not making any money."
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I know that Cottonwood was um, the theater, in, the independent theater in Chilliwack. They had reduced their It to like only forty five people in the theater at a time. Okay, just to try to yeah, um, keep social distancing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But um, yeah, and like there's already places that are saying like we're closing down now and we're not going to be able to reopen. Oh wow! Like there's a pretty um, like actually internationally known yoga studio in Kits in Kitsolano in Vancouver. Okay. Um, they started out as just like a family-run yoga place and now yeah. they have, like, locations all over the world and they have, like, a teaching school and stuff. Yeah. But they're having to close down and they're saying that they're not going to be able to reopen because their um, their landlord isn't going to let them um, pay their rent later. Oh, okay. Yeah, so then they still have to pay their teachers and yeah, yeah, yeah. their staff and stuff, right? Yeah. So they're saying that they're closing and because there's no, like, rent forgiveness, they're not going to be able to reopen. Wow. And they've been open for less, like, 25 or 45 years or something wow, in, in vancouver wow. so yeah
1: wow what a history mm-hmm. yeah this is really going to shake things up for everyone mm-hmm. well,
0: es- especially um locally owned like independently owned places right i feel like places like big places are still going to survive places with like online ordering sure, and sure. places that can stay open because they don't really care about their about their staff yeah you know like walmart and tim hortons and stuff but
1: well walmart is, is a grocery store so they're, they're an essential yes. service and yeah. pharmacies are also essential services mm-hmm. there's places that can't close yes i know you know yeah. so part of the supply line to these places they can't close mm-hmm. and, um but yeah so party goers let me just say before we go to take care mm-hmm. take care of yourself make sure that you wash your hands mm-hmm. watch a video on how to wash your hands mm-hmm. properly uh, it's very important. There's a very good one of a person with using ink on their hands to show how to best. Oh,
0: yeah. Like, yeah, I've seen those with paint, too. Yeah. Showing, yeah. like, the places that people miss when they yeah. wash their hands. That's
1: right. Those are very. And so just be careful out there because mm-hmm. we want you to come back again. Yes. And join us in the Rumpus Room. Mm-hmm. So, everyone, mm-hmm. Till next time. Yes. Listen to our music. Don't, no one else's. No, that's not a very good one. That's, no, that's not. I didn't like that at no, all. I didn't mean to say bad. listen to our music. I meant to say listen to music. Yes. That's better. Listen to podcasts. everyone goes listen to podcasts Mm -hmm. there you go Mm -hmm. that make any sense Mm, i embarrassed i I embarrassed myself that was a clumsy ending it's like i was like we were about to leave and like this pre pre uh coronavirus days and and like you went to shake a person's hand and then you realize oh did they want to like do like a kind of friend kiss on each other's to the cheek or whatever and then you kind of lean in and no that's not what they wanted and now what am i doing oh my god now this handshake has gone all wrong has that
0: ever happened oh yeah why would you think someone wanted to kiss you? Because they cheek? leaned in weirdly. Were they European?
1: They're weird. They, well, they're, f- yeah, they're weir- they like leaned in weirdly and you're like, oh, okay.
0: Why wouldn't you assume hug? Why would you assume kiss on the cheek?
1: Just the way their mouth was coming. Okay. Like their face was weird. angled or whatever.
0: Strange. Strange thing to jump to. I
1: know. It was embarrassing.
0: Yeah, it sounds embarrassing. You're right.
1: <laughs>